0: If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I
1: mean, I'm, I'm the winner.
2: My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be careful. All the girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get
0: out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So, I'm either gonna win
1: or I'm gonna die
2: trying. Welcome to The Winners Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. Hey, what's up? And we're here to discuss the Merge episode of Survivor, Winners at War. Episode 8, This is Where the Battle began. And boy, did it begin. It How did exciting. begin. This is like everything I fear in a merge episode of modern survivor yeah this is the dystopian version
0: of a survivor merge episode i think overall it was it was still good television because bad survivors still usually pretty entertaining but i found this like confusing and poorly constructed our characters just completely changed forms most of them like going from villain to neutral character or neutral character to villain
2: or all over the place it was completely scatterbrained it just like abandoned everything pre-merge we thought like uh yara would stick together or Decal would be picked off one by one and like who cares about those pre-merge tribes they might as well not exist i i went through and looked at what happened post immunity challenge like to see who was talking to who and there's really like no consistency with like people who talked together before or stuff like that. Seems to be all these new bonds and stuff.
0: Yeah. Like throw, throw back to uh, Ben and Tony just being best buds all of a sudden Mm -hmm. who've literally never interacted before. Right. Have no scene at all being like, Hey, let's be friends or we have this in common or whatever. Like bizarre choices overall. Like at least you got that one with Tyson and Ben. That was a good scene. I thought, Mm -hmm. but yeah, no, I think you're right. Like I think there's, so much weirdness with this episode. And it boggles my mind that this was not two hours. How, like, what, what is... What, why is CBS not granting them two hours here? I don't get it.
2: I don't know. And it doesn't help that it feels like the story they told was not the story that actually happened. Yes. Like, this episode, more than any other really benefited from a rewatch because I could actually put things into perspective and think about when it actually seems to be Nick versus Wendell uh, for the like Jeremy and the rest of the majority. Looking back, it's almost like which of the minority of Michelle, Nick and Wendell are we going to pick off? Yes. And just bizarre. You know, I think the weird thing to me is that this is the episode that gave me so
0: many Survivor Game Changers vibes for sure nothing makes sense the relationships are complicated and you don't like they don't bother to explain them maybe because there isn't a clear cookie cutter group that forms or anything like that it's just like bouncing all over the place but also they're they're opting to lie to us in a way that i don't appreciate Mm -hmm. i feel like there's a lot of things in here that were just we were shown a false perspective and we we're supposed to take that in earnesty. There's a lot of weird stuff like that, especially a rewatch. I, th- I think recolors how you see a lot of these scenes because you realize what are the fake conversations and what are right. not. I think right. it left like 50% too much information to the imagination of like, like Wendell just left and Michelle didn't comment on it at
2: all. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so weird. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, a very bizarre choice to have a very quiet Michelle episode just in general, but then also on the one where Wendell leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably get into that much more, but yeah. yeah. Overall, like, I thought this episode was
0: a mess. Like, mm-hmm. genuinely a mess. I mean, partly, like, I, I don't want to blame them too much because I'm sure this wasn't their dream to have to do the Edge of Extinction twist returning, um, like, cu- like, a recap of all of them to give them their closure or whatever like you had to give Rob given his speech about how he's going to win and you had that weird Edge of Extinction music video at the start of the episode <laughs> that I thought was super tacky but I don't know what did you think about the Edge of Extinction music video
2: It was it was weird it's the continued use of music in weird places by this season
0: Yeah I hope it doesn't continue it's it's given me too many like bad reality show vibes like this is a Big Brother or I mean, I like Big Brother, but like Big Brother is considerably more trashy in general than Survivor or like um, Real Housewives or something. Like, this is seems like out of that
2: playbook, but. Yeah, for something I- I'm sure they spent a bit of money on, it feels weirdly cheap.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, we did find an answer, actually. This is something last week. We were like, where did this music come from? Apparently, and this was apparently very well known, Jeff did an interview or whatever. Jeff wrote the song. <laughs> singer-composer Jeff Ropes. That's why it's all over the place in these episodes because he wrote it and he's probably pretty high on the thing he made. Mm -hmm. Um, As you do. Yeah. So that's why it's all over the place. But yeah, I I thought the music video was odd. But I think at the end of the day, this is an episode that was a victim of... like. I don't, I don't think last season, 39, a season much maligned by a lot of people, that got two hours for its merge. Because mm-hmm. the merge is so much information that you kind of do need a lot of time to offset and explain the dynamics, who's with who, who's reconnecting, like, what this merge is going to be about. Usually the merge is a story reset, and, like, now it's where Act 2 kicks in, and everybody gets to kind of explain, Well, I used to be this in the pre-merge, now I'm this. Or, using my knowledge of X, I'm now going to become Y. But... Instead, this was just
2: how Wendell went home, was pretty much how this episode was structured, with no ties to the past or future. Right. And I mean, you think about season 39, and it's two hours, like, obviously, that's a weird example to use, but I think it's good. And it's also there were two boots, like it was just basically two episodes, but it still served to sort of smooth everything out and put everything into place. Like you had two hours to sort of process where where people were, as opposed to this where it's very quick and fast and Wendell went home and that's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is like, if I remember correctly, Island of the Idols was in a very minor role in the merge episode. At least the mm-hmm. first half, I believe. And yeah. like that's another thing, right? Like you don't like I don't know, I almost wish that the edge of extinction attorney just like you did it the last episode of the pre-merge or something. You could have done this last week. Mm-hmm. Or two hours or something. Like, there's so many solutions besides sacrifice this episode, I think. Because that's what they kind of had to do. They sacrificed this episode's uh, storytelling for the Edge of Extinction attorney. And sure, Tyson's great, but I think he's great enough at the expense of the rest of the season.
2: Well, I mean, they were pretty, like, as minimal as they could have been, I think, in Edge of Extinction content. And it's still cut into... An episode where time is dearly needed. Like, I always say my fear with the merge is that it's now, like, the most people on a tribe we've had all season. So it's all these different bodies trying to find their place in the tribe, what strategy they're playing, what this vote is going to be. And it is a mess. It's always going to be a mess to sort of compress down into an episode. Um, But yeah, cutting into that even more doesn't help. Yeah, 100%. I mean, especially
0: when... Like, because of the state of the world right now, so many people have so much extra time. I'm surprised they wouldn't just do a two hours. I know it's unrealistic to edit an episode in two weeks or whatever, especially when people are probably not working, etc. It's still, like, to me, this is a hindsight thing. Like, this is Survivor Winners at War. As Ben said, this is crowning the champion of champions. And you can't give the merge episode of this season two hours or even a double episode or something. Like, right. that's just sloppy to me. I, maybe Jeff did fight really hard
2: for to get two hours or whatever. Like, I don't know. Real missed opportunity here. Well, I guess I don't know what aired after it in Canada. But for us, there was a very important Garth Brooks, Trisha Yearwood concert. after. Oh, no. So,
1: uh,
2: so, yeah. I don't even know what comes on after Survive. It's like SEAL Team or something. Yeah, it's usually SEAL Team.
0: So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> either way, like like couldn't garth go on at 10 (laughs) whatever but yeah overall i think basically what they did with this episode was instead tell the story of how jeremy's wrong is i think kind of what this narrative actually was it was build jeremy up before the challenge um give them in my opinion maybe the most obvious telegraphed immunity win of all time in denise like before the challenge they're just like denise is gonna go home and then Mm -hmm. denise wins the challenge unsurprisingly yeah and Jeremy gives a confessional saying, I want to drive this thing, but I don't want anyone to know I'm driving this thing. And the rest of the episode was just about tearing down that notion of Jeremy hiding him driving the ship. Sophie upsetting that
2: uh, control that he had. That was pretty much the narrative of the episode. And it's kind of hard to draw much from elsewhere. Right. To go back to, like, its obvious telegraphs, I think these were particularly egregious examples where it was like, Denise is going to go home and obviously you know then she's going to win and then it was talking about how okay it's obviously gonna be nick because that's why i want to go home so it's like well i don't think it's going to be nick i know survivor could work on that subvert my expectations a little bit more they're usually a little better at it than this i thought yeah like this was like like especially the denise one was i felt very
0: ham-fisted but Mm -hmm. it is what it is there um but like overall still an entertaining episode Mm-hmm. Because he did like it is fun seeing these people. It is a great cast. I just wish the production would do a better job with these people.
2: Right. I love seeing them contend with the elements. That what seemed really real. Sort of brought yes. winners back down to earth. Um I, I feel like that's the coldest they've ever been, like ever in Survivor. I don't yeah. know what happened in Fiji, but they were like freezing yeah they um, looked
0: miserable mm-hmm. i mean shout out to adam klein who as we'll get to later greatest reality contestant of all time as far as i'm concerned so <laughs> in this episode
1: mm-hmm.
0: but like that confessional is amazing when he's just like like you're winners what are you talking about like like I, this is the, the dream like you want to be suffering out here i mm-hmm. love that i loved his attitude in this episode um and he re- to me honestly adam alone raised this from being like a total garbage episode. Like I think Adam's whole story in this episode was so entertaining. His confessionals were on fire. He was really firing on all cylinders here as like a perfect encapsulation of a character. I think they nailed it completely. And he really raised this like two points, I think.
1: Mm -hmm. I
2: think he's very solid to understand. Even as things shift and stuff, it's still nobody can trust Adam. So it's a very clear niche you know what to expect from him like tone wise and then seeing him react. So yeah, he made for a very solid part of the episode for sure.
0: Um, but yeah, like I think another fun and like a general thought here is the, uh, survivor advantage menu coming back. And in my opinion,
2: how corny it looked. It was like awful. Like we were expecting a better menu for these fire tokens to be used. It was not better. It was like, and you had, I think Survivor knew it too, because you had to like, really sort of freeze frame at the right time to see it all. But it's like, steal a reward or um, contact someone on the edge of extinction. Like, those are your two like game choices. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> terrible. And I think
0: the other thing, like there's two advantage menus here in this episode. One is the Edge of Extinction one. And I thought the dorkiest looking thing in the entire world with all the Ex- Edge of Extinction people with like a pen and paper being like, <laughs> hmm, yes, I'll take one of these, an idol, please, and a uh, advantage in the challenge. Super tacky, I thought. But yeah. also how it actually played out the advantage in the challenge being one negligible to everybody except for two people have it. Hey, survivor producers. If everybody except two people have a thing, that's not an advantage in the challenge. That's two people (laughs) having a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Straight up. Like, I cannot believe that they tried to sell this as like and poor Jeff having to do his best to be like, and um you what what's Rob uses his advantage, doesn't have to dig. Advantage is gone. (laughs) Like it was it was so bad. Like that commentary. Like he was trying to spin it, but it's not an advantage if everybody has one. It's like mm-hmm. it's like everybody. It's like everybody's unique snowflake. You got like it's special in their own way, and they all got their own unique advantages. Like, not quite.
1: Yeah,
2: that would have been much cooler. And there were so many parts in this challenge where it could have been used. Yeah, like and then they just were like, "Nope, you don't have to dig for your ropes." And I was
0: also, I don't know about you, I, I, maybe this is just me being dumb, but I was under the impression this whole time that you could bid three on the challenge, like up to three advantages in the challenge or whatever, not just yes or no, because Hmm. with the yes or no, like the binary one or nothing for advantage, they gave multiple things in the edge of extinction phase where everybody could get one. Yeah. In hindsight is maybe the worst production decision of the season, because one, why not charge more than the one that you gave to everybody? except for poor Ewell who had to go there with zero chance at all to get anything. (laughs) To me, this whole thing was just like, so Natalie has by far the most advantage here because she's given a free thing at the start. So no matter what, she has an advantage in this challenge, unless she spends it, I guess there's just so many bizarre choices here where it's like, if you get voted out earlier, you are pretty much automatically given an advantage in the challenge. If you're voted out last, you have no chance at an advantage in the challenge. It's the one token that you gave everybody for the firewood task everybody a chance to do.
2: Bizarre. Mm, not well conceived. Very, very poorly conceived, <laughs> I thought. Um I'm I'm with Sandra. Like, yeah. Get me out of here. <laughs> for real.
0: Like I liked that they called it Tony was like, I, I see why Sandra didn't show up. for this super physical challenge i guess i don't know this didn't seem that physical but Mm -hmm. maybe it was i guess the digging would be probably pretty brutal yeah but yeah the advantage menu you're right like the one and then the one in the game it's like well they even made fun of it again in this episode
2: (laughs) they're like is anyone gonna buy a tarp (laughs) well i almost thought like if anytime you're gonna buy a tarp this should be it and you're still not doing it, so yeah. Learn from this production. Like this is yeah. Every sort of... season we like you listen to the preseason stuff, and
0: the only thing on Jeff's mind is like for Ghost Island. I remember it's like, and for the first time ever, it's gonna be game changing. We have a uh like a dry erase board at camp that says what tasks people have to do and. If you, if you build the shelter, if you grab three sticks of firewood, you'll put a mark on there and then people will know who did the most at camp <laughs> and it affected nothing. And they're like, we're going to cut the rice supply by 50% and it's going to be like nothing you've ever seen before. And then everyone's like, it wasn't that bad. We're fine. And it <laughs> still makes no impact on the TV show at all. Like every season they come in and they're like the survivor skills are going to be what matters. And I don't know how you can even watch survivor Borneo and still think that the provider skills are what matters at all in this game. Jeff Pro seems to completely lost the plot and be convinced that that's the thing that you need to keep adding to. And then you get to this game, it's like the one time anyone bought food was Tyson making fun of things and being, like, ironic. Mm-hmm. Just bizarre.
2: Um, I want to talk about how Jeremy and Adam were sitting on opposite ends of the tribal and they were so far apart. Like, they are so spread out for just 12 of them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like they were struggling to get a wide shot, even of oh, all mm. the people and like i noticed for me anyway it looked like jeremy was really far i think it was denise was beside him was mm-hmm. even really far from her it was just you're right like the it's very bizarre almost like if you're gonna have a life tribal how would it even happen like if jeremy and adam had to talk to each other <laughs> It'd be so jeremy, dramatic yeah i thought yeah that was like i mean it's like kind of cool seeing not gonna lie like as sarah said 12 Goliaths or whatever, just 12 icons, just all in one frame. That was pretty cool. It was like your vendor's moment, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like I think my primary issue with this is that this was a different episode than of the show we've been watching. Mm-hmm. And it's just hard to really put it into fewer words than that. Where um, like Wendell, how is this Wendell's goodbye, who honestly has been a he's the villain, and he left in like a neutral nice episode if
1: Mm -hmm. anything
0: slightly positive like look how cool wendell is that hasn't been a story at all like like we randomly got ghost island wendell in this episode
2: (laughs) yeah i mean it was a total departure from what he was on new cellay yeah like he was just sort of jeremy's friend and then he had to go so yeah like poor jeremy being like the grim reaper of this season like
0: everybody he gets close to gets the votes (laughs) definitely wild there Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah like i think another one is like you have all of a sudden the rise of like super cutthroat denise and sophie like they both and i mean i guess denise was super cutthroat Sandra one this is the first time where she kind of embraced that role Mm -hmm. i like that they were calling her like the queen slayer that was kind of that was fun that was actually i guess a good example of them building off of a character from the pre-merge but even like sophie all of a sudden being
2: super like this is devil sophie i guess so maybe maybe they didn't do a good job there but i know Sort of looking back on it, you see that they inflated Sophie's role. Definitely, like, in this tribal, I think. For what reason, we don't know. But, yeah, just a bigger role than she needed, for sure. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I don't know. Overall, this episode had me being, like, like pumping the brakes a little bit. Being, like, this is the first time, I think. Maybe, actually, the second time. I had this reservation a couple episodes ago. That I'm, like, I'm scared that this is going to be a season that we look back on and be, like... I didn't really, like, there's nothing really to rewatch. Like, if you're, other than the boot, there really wasn't any content in this episode. Like, just people doing things. Like, character moments, or... There really wasn't much. It was pretty much Mm -hmm. how Jeremy failed to have control. And other than that, very little to extract from anything else. Right. That's my, I don't know, I just hope this doesn't go that uh, Game Changers route. Because, like, Game Changers wasn't that bad at this point yet. I mean, it was, as of one episode, pretty bad. But still, like... I don't know. I I hope they don't continue this trend of just like
2: lying to the audience. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, early on in the Game Changers merge, like it made more sense. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like the people who were portrayed as being in power actually did have the power. It was just later on nothing linked to anything that came before it. So you had wild eliminations like Michaela or stuff. So for
0: sure. And I guess speaking of that, let's move here to the stories of the season. And I think the most interesting one to start on is the one that's been brewing since episode one. The idea of <laughs> lions and hyenas, the threats versus, as Tony said, the more uh, under the radar people. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Or hyenas, or however however you want to put it. I think this, at this point, is very clearly the predominant theme of the season. And I think took a very interesting turn in this episode. I'm
2: curious to hear what you think that is.
0: So, I guess my take would be... So... Early on, we hear that Nick, Wendell, Adam, and Michelle, these are the four that are considered, like, the bottom feeders. There are hyenas, right? Like, mm-hmm. Nick is described as, like, a scavenger. It even shows him kind of laughing with, like, a big grin, right. as Tony calls him, a scavenger. Mm-hmm. I thought that was excellently done. But it, I think it is very interesting that Nick, Wendell, Adam, and Michelle are the four that are listed as, like, the bad players. The interesting thing, I think, to come from that is... Looking at how this episode was ultimately constructed, it was, you get Tyson and Tony being like, we need the big threats, <sighs> linking up with Ben, and then being Ben confirming, yes, we need the big threats, let's align, and we will take out the people who are not the big threat. The interesting thing here, though, is Jeremy very clearly establishes the bond with Wendell, and the episode then shifts away from big threats versus non-big threats to Jeremy's influence versus Sophie's influence. Sophie obviously wins out, but I think the interesting thing here is that the episode shifts from being big threats versus non-big threats when both boot targets are our hyenas. Mm-hmm. I think this war's already lost for, I think this is the season of how early on, as Tyson said, I tried to, Tyson and Tony both say something along this line of like, early on, I tried to rally the big threats. No one listened. And now look at the pre-merge. A clean sweep of all the big threat, old school, I think at this point it's code. They mean the same thing or they're heavily correlated. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, it's very clear that the story is how early on that failed. And then at the merge, people were like, oh, my God, I need to reevaluate and keep the big threats around. I think we're going to see the domination of the quote unquote lion. As, as Sarah says, the one of the biggest mains going to win.
2: Wait, you think the lions are going to win?
0: Yes. I think this is going to be a stomping of the hyenas.
2: Mm. I thought you uh, were going to. At- totally different direction like with jeremy sort of losing his i guess choice of what he wanted to do to bolster the lions because he talks about how or someone does the group of like ben tyson tony jeremy they talk about how they're four right now and that's a minority but they need to get power before they get realized and i think if wendell if getting wendell on their side was a move towards that and they didn't make it happen seems like a failure to me
0: but okay i i, I actually i see what you're saying because i think there's an interesting cross here with what we're talking about because you're right that four, like the jeremy ben um tony tyson for mm-hmm. being the big threat people like the big players or whatever but i think it's very interesting the two people who are not in either distinction were sophie and denise and well, they're the ones yeah. who had it, it seemingly the most power in this episode like i think they're inadvertently listed as lions as big players Mm -hmm. but they're not in that four person group so that big four person group under jeremy's control did fail but i think at the end of the day this was ultimately all the big threats quote-unquote agreeing that one of like i think the boot targets were michelle adam
2: nick or wendell the four people listed as hyenas right i think here for sure I just don't foresee in the future that actually working. I don't know. I took Sarah's line at the merge feast. We're all lions. It's just about who has the biggest mane to sort of fit in with that. Things will be hard, but you belong theme or like everyone already is a lion in some respect. And it maybe ropes back into Denise's big targets in very small places where these people, the hyenas per se are going to win out because they were never on the outskirts to begin with. But I think that's the thing is, I I, I agree that could be a thematic reading of it,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: when the boots are Nick or when Nick Wendell or Adam, and that's literally three quarters of our people who are the only people who are listed as bad players, right? Like mm-hmm. not an ideal spot for the theme being the recovery of these. Cause at this point it would be Nick, Adam and Michelle somehow, strangling control of the game
2: i don't here i don't think it's as much as those three getting control as the top four losing it okay yeah i I guess i see what you're saying there like i guess i don't have a huge problem with the targets being all hyenas this episode because i i think going forward i guess the thing about it is wendell going doesn't feel like a success for the lions per se well for jeremy specifically i think that's the weirdness with this episode Mm. is we even had ben being like.
0: Like, I think this was an episode about Jeremy's hubris more than it was. I think Jeremy's plotline was separate to the theme
1: hmm.
0: where, like, even Ben goes up to him and he's like, "Listen, dude. like the like the jig's over. Like Wendell's going home. Everybody wants Wendell. They're just not telling you that because they know that you're close to him. Mm-hmm right? Like I think this was a story of Jeremy overexerting his influence to try to rope in somebody and failing versus it seemed like everybody still viewed Wendell as like non threat. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like, it's like an interesting cross section. I do think though, the interesting thing about this somehow miss Sophie Clark, is not labeled or in any way indicated to be a weak player. Right, for sure. Like, how did she avoid this when, like, even in this episode, her content was like, oh, Denise did a thing. That's going to put a target on her back. And somehow she is labeled as a big threat lion. Very interesting.
2: Is she explicitly mentioned as the lion, though? But she's not in the hyena group. Yeah, but, like, neither is Kim or Sarah. True. I think it's more it's good to be in that in-between. Like, I think we're obviously (laughs) getting to a place where we agree about what we feel about Sophie, but yeah, sort of coming at it from different angles. I also yeah. think part of how those bottom four got lumped together is Sele did sort of become this minority yeah. and Adam is just untrustworthy. So they are sort of the main targets at this yeah, point. This was
0: really Sally plus Adam sucks. Yeah. Right. Like I love Adam. He's clearly playing in a way that nobody wants to play with him at all. <laughs> right. Yep. Like he's even saying at tribal, like, no one talked to me Mm -hmm. um he's clearly just like he's the nora right like he's the one that nobody even bothers to tell the plan or yeah or the charisma yeah yeah you're right the charisma is probably a better example where it's just like no one wants to play with him no one's giving him a chance and they realize he'll just vote where they say so they don't vote on out.
2: yeah and i think another thing that's sort of making me think about this differently from you is that i think adam goes really far so i mean i Adam goes fire, but I guess he's not winning. So that is still sort of a victory for the lions, depending on how you look at it. So no, I think, and I think that's like an interesting thing is
0: like, ultimately Sophie's story here was catching on to what was happening. Mm -hmm. Jeremy's whole thing is I want to drive the bus, drive this thing, but I don't want anyone to know I'm driving this thing. Sophie immediately after says, I know what he's doing. I don't want him to have control. This was Sophie upsetting the apple cart a little bit. Right. So It definitely plays into Sophie's narrative of being the one hiding behind people, kind of the nerd shield thing. Mm -hmm. Very good for Sophie, I think. And I think you're right. I just think it, to me, it's like, this is the story of how one group failed in that Jeremy group and Sophie rises, Sophie with Sarah, I think them being as a duo, Sarah talking about the lines and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. inadvertently ties her to it. I think this will be the story of how Sophie proves herself as being just as capable
2: as the other. Like, I think Sophie, Sarah, Denise is like the trio Hmm. yeah i think definitely sophie and sarah i'm not so sure about denise but i think this is the story of how they come to power agreed so i guess that brings us to the nature of truth Mm -hmm. so truthfulness over
0: deception definitely um i I guess the idea here would be jeremy's failure to
2: hide uh sure i guess i saw it just as a little touchstone for tyson um at the returnee challenge he mentioned oh yeah he mentioned how he's humorous and how that's a mask for how he's actually feeling. So just oh, yeah, sort yeah. of touching on the theme. I didn't have anything deep, but um, sort of finding ways for Tyson to tie into these themes because I feel like he does tie into a lot of them. He really does.
0: Like, noticeably hits most of these in a very mm-hmm. interesting way. Like, he is the one that proposes very directly the group. He's the mm-hmm. one who explains the, like, why it's necessary. Right. And yeah, I think you're right. Like, the whole, like, yeah, maybe... I, I make jokes, but you don't understand it because I'm hurting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's pretty good. Very yeah. good content for Tyson, I thought. Uh, oh, and well. the other one I do want to say here that I think was, what are the standout moments of the episode? And actually, maybe some credit to Adam, maybe some credit to the editors for realizing how clever this moment was. But Adam's voting confessional is another thing that raises the episode a little bit for me, where Adam, in two sentences or whatever, summarizes what actually happened on this beach, where he mm-hmm. says, Wendell, you think this is between um i know this is between me and you one of us is going home tonight i know that do you that's what this episode ultimately was right like wendell having no idea being slightly overconfident same with jeremy same with michelle same with nick Mm -hmm. adam being um a worse player than wendell i think is portrayed adam is uh paranoid and rubbing people the wrong way no one trusts him but at least he has the information he knows the truth and that's more powerful than anything else yeah i think that's a good read on the situation and it comes back to similarly the ethan boot right like or sorry the one before that um the danny boot like it's adam knowing ultimately knowing information is more powerful than being like a fantastic survivor player Mm -hmm. and i think that's the interesting thing here is ultimately is wendell and jeremy are better players but adam knows that he isn't and he's on the bottom and that gives him the tools needed to flip the vote. Right. Very King moment. I thought for Adam, like the, (laughs) do you brilliant?
1: Yeah.
2: Very good.
0: Brings us to old school versus new school players. Do we like, this is so in your face. Like it's not even trying to hide it. I don't think like Boston Rob gets like a, like a lament to the loss of the old school players. Mm-hmm. pretty straight up.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it's another one where Tyson comes in and talks about how he's the OG that's left and um, what he needs to do. He questions if he can keep up with what these newer players have and all that. So yeah, that was very, a confessional. because as sort of old school people dropped out, we weren't necessarily expecting it to come back and yeah, it sort of chimed like a bell in Tyson's confessional there. So yeah, it is still important in some way. And I mean, we even got to see, Adam be like, "Wow, I did not expect it to be a clean sweep." And then Tony
0: be like, "Was that intentional?" And they're like, "No, I think it just kind of happened because they're bigger threats." Mm-hmm. Further emphasizing Tyson's future narrative of rallying the big threats because no one listened to him the first time, right? Like it's kind of like Tyson's there standing at like he's like, "I I saw what happened when people didn't do this." He's like a time traveler, you know what I mean? Like he knows he died at the end of that story, so he wants to reshape it. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. Um and I think the interesting thing here with Tyson is his like, like, are they just better than me? Like, I don't think so. Like, what are they doing that I'm not? thought that was a really good confessional. And yeah. interesting how
2: it'll be kind of spun, I think, moving forward. For sure. Because I, I think I brought up last episode how, like, Tyson actually won, like, later on. He played earlier, but... I don't know. He's sort of a questionably old school player to me. So yeah, but I would say that what the season is doing so far is very much spinning him as an old school player. So keeping that in mind as they go forward. Yeah. I mean, I think you could make an argument that in the narrative of this season, Natalie
0: counts as an old school player, right? (laughs) Which is obviously ludicrous. But (laughs) if you, if this is your first season of survivor, you assume that Natalie won in like season two, right? Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah because they're, they're, like, they're never i'm saying a clean sweep like all the all the old school players are running out like all us oldies back here and yeah. natalie's one of the people who gets to talk
2: in that moment mm, it's never questioned yeah she is old school per se
0: when it is like one of these things is not like the other <laughs> like one of these like natalie's one of the more recent winners mm-hmm. so definitely very interesting there yep um i think one of the most interesting ones in this episode was our whole building bridges by building or like building relationships by building things. Wendell came back to being premier Wendell again. When yeah. everyone's like, Oh my God, Wendell's so cool. He made this thing. Like he made a coconut vending machine and obviously a- you see him prosper, right? Like his most
2: powerful moments seem to be right after people are wowed by something he did. Mm-hmm. For sure. It was an interesting thing to tie back into. Cause we got it on the premiere. We got it on the swap. And then now at the merge also his boot episode. It is almost very reminiscent of Ghost Island, like tying into <laughs> that story, you sort of at least have some sort of finish for Wendell. And who yeah. knows what magic he'll do on the Edge of Extinction. Yo, he, I'm I'm betting that the story here is that he actually does some like really cool stuff on Edge of Extinction,
1: hmm.
0: like makes like, I don't know, like something really, really cool. I bet that's going to be like his conclusion because <laughs> it makes sense because there is this weird dichotomy where he's super negative anytime it's relationships outside of this. Right. But then when it's actually tied to like building something, he gets like a positive edit, So it's very interesting in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, next is the whole, how do you create, use your past to create your present? Obviously intrinsically tied to Edge of Extinction. But I think in this one, the interesting thing here is a couple weeks ago, we said our, our episode title was called, are the themes this obvious or are they playing a trick on us? And drum roll, they were playing a trick on us. Um, (laughs) this is the season of histories and past relationships. Wendell laments multiple times in this season. It's so clear now that that was his story. It was an ironic, he's over-relying on pregame relationships. And that's why he goes home. Mm -hmm. And all the people we've seen over-rely on pregame relationships have gone home for that reason. Um, a good example, Tyson, the first time he left, right? Like he was part of the poker alliance, Amber. Um, like that's just a thing that's been happening over and over again is, even Nat- Natalie is the best example, right? Like all her content in episode one is about how she trusts Jeremy and that will keep her in. Mm-hmm. Why does she trust Jeremy? Cause they played together.
2: Yeah. Lots of talk about that, but never in a good light. Like no yep. one's had a good like previous experience, except maybe like Sarah and Tony, but that still remains to be seen. And that's an
0: interesting one because they didn't talk at all this
2: episode. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very, very interesting. Yep. But I mean, also
0: where could they have
1: even thrown that? <laughs> sure.
2: Um, I sort of highlighted this because we've talked about it in the past as what makes these winners targets in some way. If they're all winners, how can any of them be a bigger target than the other? Um, which with the lions and hyenas theme has become pretty clear. But now that we're at the merge, it's sort of pivoting into what makes a winner a winner and therefore a target. With Sophie sort of referencing Denise and her resume that she's built, and how that makes her target number one. Yeah, and so. I think it's probably also I do think
0: it's important to mention that Denise catches onto this too. Denise is like, "Oh, so it's Nick or Wendell or Adam? Like, why is that?" And Jeremy's like, "Ah, oh, you know, they're just on the bottom." And she's like, "Oh, so they're the ones that don't cause a ripple." um So are you saying like, if it was me, it would have been a ripple vote? Like, if I wasn't immune, it. Would have been me. I think that's what the episode was trying to tell us was Denise is probably going home if she did not win. And it would have been a more uh, brutal vote. Right. So good on Denise Uh, there. I think. And I think an interesting thing here, actually, with the past relationships is as maybe this is a weird departure, but in hindsight now it's very clear that wendell actually benefited from relying on pre-game relationships like if he doesn't know michelle before the season he realistically gets voted out where you will do yeah it Michelle using her pre-game with wendell to keep him in the game that
2: swung it in that direction right mm-hmm. but it, that's when it was edited super negatively right i mean with wendell getting michelle a fire token it seems so clear now that they're uh Disagreements were much exaggerated in this season. So yeah, there are cases where Wendell's reliance on people like Michelle, and I think to some extent, maybe Jeremy was his best chance here. I mean, he probably could have done more to uh, spread more feelers and try to be aligned with more people, but I think it was a good plan. It just didn't work out. Yeah. And I guess there's one
0: reading of this where it's like maybe this thing they're trying to do, similar to Laurel and Ghost Island, where I honestly genuinely think she was used as a little bit of like a lashing tool, like gets lashes for not flipping on your alliance when you know you're going to lose, right? Like mm-hmm. we, I think the story Ghost Island was like how great Dom and Wendell are, but also the failure of Laurel. You don't want to be Laurel. Being a Laurel is worse than being first boot. It's worse than anything, right? Like I think that's the story it wanted to tell us. Mm-hmm. I think there's a good case for here that maybe production just was so mad at these pregame relationships. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, are you serious, Michelle? You're working with Wendell who's like berating you and stuff. Like, like, come on, like snap out of it, play the game, play the game in front of you. And they're using Wendell as a whipping boy for that. Yeah. You
2: know what I mean? Like, don't use pre-games Cause every single one we saw was edited atrociously.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And what makes that even more curious is I think more than Wendell's benefited from it, Michelle benefited it. Like she should have been gone on Cele. Yeah. If they stuck to their tribal lines. So, and Wendell, or Michelle is very much not getting that negative edit by any means. So I'm curious even more now what they're doing with Michelle. Sorry, who's Michelle? Um, Do you mean one of the most visible characters in the mm pre-merge? Mm-hmm. Did she get voted out? She just took a break. Okay, cool. She's she's only a recurring character. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think, speaking of which, I think...
2: And this is one we've kind of teased
0: around a little bit all season as like, maybe what's happening. I don't know if this counts as a theme. It might. I don't know. It's yeah, more it's more of a, more of a curiosity. Event. Yeah, this is a curiosity of Call Me Crazy. I think they might intentionally be giving people similar looks to other people in their original season or maybe not original season or a season they've played or whatever. Right. Kind of yeah. starting to seem a lot like it. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, I think the most obvious one here is probably... Wendell looking like Wendell
2: is in this episode, and looking like Bradley last episode.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that was pretty direct. Yeah, we, yep. We talked about that one. Um, but yeah. There's all sorts of examples. We talked about Adam as a Hannah. Yep. Um, and just looking For at more examples. Looking,
0: yeah, like Adam's a Hannah because things that are highlighted in his edit. It's like his it like paranoia, his nervousness. A huge theme of Millennials vs. Gen X was anxiety. Was like, the, I, in my opinion, Millennials vs. Gen X is a season about how different personalities handle anxiety. Go back and watch it. It's all over the place. Adam is Hannah's textbook example of anxiety in this season. Mm-hmm. I do think you get a little bit of him too because his story is all about being like a scared kid. For but sure. Like, like Hannah Shapiro is the one who... Had, like, a uh, panic attack when a challenge he was sitting out in. Mm -hmm. Heavily pronounced in the season. I think him being scared at the top of the pole was the best comparison to that. Right. And even, like, like, I don't know about you, but I
2: thought it was super awkward the way he helped Michelle up. Like, it was just (laughs) unsettling. It's just weird that Michelle was still, like, laying there. Just, like... (laughs) (gasps) Um, Another
0: one that I think rose into prominence in my mind, anyway. Ben is Ryan Ulrich. Mm -hmm. Where it's all goofy, but kind of strategic. Like, Ryan's whole thing was self-deprecating humor to m- contribute to strategy like he's like i've never had a girlfriend um look at me and this weird surfer bro isn't that weird and like ben's whole story has been like oh my god i keep fo- messing up when i talk to boston rob like i just word vomit and things come out and look at how goofy i am but i'm also a good player guys Is kind of his story if you look at their charts they're pretty dang similar between ryan Ulrich and ben in this season i think what like what do you think of that one
2: i think that's really accurate like not something you would necessarily think of firsthand but um ben does have that sort of uh inconsistent tone um all over the place not quite a winner but like strategic content vibes yeah yep. very solid another one i think is maybe i'm crazy jeremy is kelly wentworth where it's
0: constant visibility Always in the episodes, always somewhat important, but not complex or future looking at all. Mm-hmm. Like Jeremy doesn't talk about the future. He gets like generally the closest you can get to strategic content without being complex.
2: Right. Usually. I mean, the joke on the edgix I is it is Jeremy was more three for the first. Six or seven episodes yep. in a row. He dipped to more two last episode. He I obviously did. won't be that this episode, but yeah, uh, very interesting. Sort of this constant presence. Um, I mean, for Kelly Wentworth, it was a, it was like her breakout because she mm. obviously wasn't that in San Juan del Sur. Uh, it's weird for Jeremy, but I think this makes sense. Yeah. So that's
0: that portion. I think most people fit it in some capacity, whether you can find I mean, an example or not.
2: Off
1: the top yeah, of your
0: head.
2: I'd, Yeah, I want to run through, like, Denise as Malcolm, I think, is a fun one to think about. Um, Kim as Chelsea is one we sort of came up with pre-show. Chelsea Meisner from One World. Yeah. Um, Yeah, very interesting examples to sort of think about. And it's interesting that none of these people are the winners of the season. Yeah. All people who get very close, but... Yeah, um, except Bradley. Well, yeah, but Wendell's also not winning. Unless he comes yeah. back from the edge of extinction, so for sure. So that's like the stories I think that were in this episode. Yeah, moved to edge of
0: extinction. Yeah. So that brings us to edge of extinction, which I mean, like we talked about it a little bit, but definitely interesting how they chose to kind of tell this story. I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you had the intro being like how devastating it was, right? Like we got Natalie, Rob, Tyson. All talking about how miserable it was. Oh yeah. I think the interesting thing to me, anyway, was um their attempt at bringing up the Robin Amber reunion and how forced and weird it was mm-hmm. like they were physically like 10 meters away from each other. <laughs> Why were they not standing beside each other?
2: I think, or they maybe put in order of elimination. If so, a giant production mistake. Yeah.
0: Cause it was just kind of weird. It was like,
2: if I didn't know who Amber was, I might be confused. <laughs> like, is it
1: Tyson? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah um bizarre who they chose to i guess give these moments not so much the like pre or was it post whenever they talked about their struggles on the edge of extinction um rob natalie and tyson makes sense um Mm -hmm. but like danny got some attention before that talking about it's time to return um just curious it was a good episode for danny like i'll say that it was
0: (laughs) i guess we'll go through them uh, start with Amber, not much, right? Like
2: yep, another bad episode for Amber, yeah, I think she's off off the train. That's uh devastating, also, how sad she just had to give her token to Rob, mm-hmm. and she was like really trying her hardest during that challenge. uh, I love Amber, Queen, but yeah, go to Danny. I mean, good episode for Danny, yeah, really, um sort of poking at that second returnee mm-hmm. vibe for Danny. Yeah, give me Danny over everybody but Natalie here. Um uh, maybe even Natalie. I don't know. Uh, Natalie I Natalie's strength is that like she was the mayor of Edge of Extinction for a while. Yeah. But Danny has had these moments where it's clear they want us to care about her. I mean, it's a marathon.
1: Yeah. Um I would Danny's actually say, gonna win.
2: I would say Rob is maybe my favorite for the second returnee right now. Uh, I mean, first let's I guess,
0: yeah. Rob, for me, the interesting thing here is that his confessional was, if I can win this challenge, I'm going to win the game. Mm -hmm. Does that not sound a little uh, game like story ending? Mm -hmm. Because he didn't win the challenge. He came second. I think this might be the story of like how Rob, like if he would have won here, he could have really turned it
2: around. But because Tyson narrowly beat him, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't happen. But maybe he wins the second one and he can't turn it around at that point. Maybe. He almost... ironically gets revolving doored given that he won redemption. Oh, <laughs> well, that would actually be kind of funny if he's Matt or not even Matt Andrea. Oh yeah. That would be good too.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think Rob, I guess you, if he's the second one, you're right. It's not going well because one story it could be is like, if I win this one, I'm going to win. When I win the next one, I'm not.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I, I have Rob and my winner contenders list for this episode is even more restricted than last episode so when i say i have rob high on my list i mean he's still like not winner territory but even then i think it was more the returnee as opposed to someone who's actually winning i think yeah. i would have danny ahead as someone who win like danny might be my top contender for winner from the current edge of extinction oh no chance it, like <laughs> okay no let's have a quick a quick argument for how danny vote wins this season Like if she's clearly, oh, I can't say this, I guess. She's clearly not the greatest player, like a good sport, lover to bits, but like it would be so disappointing if she won, I think to most people. So like to sort of have it, let it happen quietly and also add on top of that, that it's exactly Chris Underwood style again, like it'd be wild. So, oh my God. And Danny was third, wasn't she? Yeah. And she went fishing. (laughs) Never forget that Danny right could be Chris Underwood. Yeah, I mean, that's
0: <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, we've got a lot of hate mail about hating on Danny. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, I don't know. I think of all the winners, she showed to be the least capable. Right. And it's still very capable. She did win the game. But, like, uh, if she wins,
2: imagine Danny Boatwright being the champion of champions. I mean, I'm here for it, but I, I love chaos. So, I think yeah. anything, me saying Danny is the <laughs> likely winner is more of an indictment of who's here yes. than actual chances no that is
0: i and the sad thing is i think i agree with you like to just go, kind of go through
2: people yeah. like ethan he just, did get content i mean there's those weird like sparks of like positivity but it is ethan so yeah. maybe they're just happening because of him i mean but. ethan
0: has an amazing story like it's the kind of stuff like if you're forced to like give the winner a little bit more content or like show ethan comparing edge of extinction to his own personal battles you're gonna give a little bit to the ethan yeah you have those two sets of footage ethan's very captivating and a survivor legend you're gonna do Mm. that. yeah him getting nothing here even at that speech beforehand he's zero he's zero yeah that's a very good point um but yeah that's ethan natalie natalie's probably number one for me it's like natalie
2: than danny but it's close like they're both at like one percent i think natalie is going to Wayne as this... I think she had a purpose to serve as someone who really thrived early Edge of Extinction, got her advantage lost, and is sort of just another member. Yeah, that's probably true. I I really don't think the Edge of Extinction is going to be any more, like, interesting. I know it's not very interesting now, but I don't think it's going to be, like, any better than the pre-merge. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm.
0: 100%. Poverty, tragically not winning. I feel... Maybe. <laughs> She could be the second one, you think, yeah, but yeah it's it's just so low. we're talking like, yeah, grains and if of she's sand. coming back, she's not like she she's gonna get revolving doored
1: mm-hmm.
0: like I think almost no matter who comes back second, they're getting revolving doored, yeah, yeah, I think that's the thing is like Tyson's the one who had some chance,,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or yule if he came back right away or something like that, like right, the problem here is too many of these people are people that needed to come back here instead of second mm-hmm. i guess that's my problem
2: and i think that's why danny is so high is that <laughs> danny could come back and be seen as a non-entity somehow so yeah you're right danny could be the one like
0: danny is like like danny's the only one that if she came back would not get immediately voted out yeah
2: right like yeah so i'll <laughs> say on that mm-hmm. uh we talked about rob a bunch i don't know i feel like it's not done yet um and then you bad Bad episode for you.
0: So bad. But also, <laughs> Yule was screwed, right? Like, sure. Yule came effectively second in this challenge. Well, I guess third. Maybe if he got that advantage, if he had any chance at all, mm-hmm. like, why did Yule have to give up his tokens? God, this is so frustrating on a production level. <laughs> like, as somebody who cares about game design, Yule got screwed. Like, okay, yeah, he got voted out. He should have just left anyway. But, like, he didn't even get a chance. Like, at least present pretend this is fair. I don't know. <laughs> he played the
2: best, so therefore he is the most disadvantaged. And it's like, I don't really know how to fix that on the Edge of Extinction. So that probably means we should just get rid of it. I mean, I think that
0: this season, and I, the last one, too, has been a, like a, like a referendum on how much better Redemption Island is than Edge of Extinction. Right. Because, I mean, theoretically, on Redemption Island, you're going to be more physically, like, brutalized by having to do all these battles mm-hmm. versus everybody's the same. Uh, if you come in, you're a little bit more fresh, maybe. But yeah, know, I know. I'd I'd be curious to see what a Redemption Island season looks like now. Yeah. I, as sad as I remember 10 years ago <laughs> being like, this is a, a blight against the game of Survivor. Who knew the you could make is... it worse? It turns out it's, you do the same thing, but you don't eliminate people right it's considerably worse Mm -hmm. so yeah that's that um i guess one better thing there is that redemption island was always a time sink because he had to show the challenge but sure yeah i digress yeah yule's not coming back yeah doesn't feel right maybe he could but he'll get revolving so i don't know i think this is more or less the end of the story of edge of extinction really mattering right like i i honestly think the second returnee will be somebody who is still in the game
1: Mm
0: -hmm. oh maybe yeah so that's edge of extinction um they got a rad music video but other than that <laughs> pretty lame <laughs> oh.
1: mm-hmm.
0: like poverty getting to do yoga while like electric guitar plays bizarre but pretty cool
2: something um and that brings us to koru koru interesting like, tribe name. Like black tribe maybe yellow i don't know
1: <laughs> like. Ugh. i don't
0: know what it says about me that i cannot remember
2: like their buffs are black, but all the words are yellow. Yeah. So. The Merge Tribe. The Merge Tribe. And first, we're going
0: to start here with Adam, who, like I said, really emerged as, maybe not even emerged, but con- continuously stayed the best character in the season.
2: Yeah. Just like the
0: character of the season. Yeah. Like, Adam 3.0, please. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. all I'm thinking about. And put up, honestly, I think Adam is, I think, very clearly outclassed by these people in terms of social game. Like, Strategically, I think he's smart, and that's why he's able to stay alive. He's like a smart. He honestly, no, he's charisma. He is literally charisma. Where she has some game sense, but everyone hates him. Mm-hmm. So I... put him with less good players. He's one of the few winners, I think, that you could get away with having on like a game changers or something, or some just a horde of people. Because I don't think he's as like he's not a god tier player. He would fit in like a mid tier cast.
2: Yeah, I think he sort of benefited on. Millennials versus Gen X from the sort of um, what's the, like Russian roulette of survivor that modern survivor is where like you can sort of slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's still it takes talent to do that. But um, it's definitely different from some of these people who really controlled the game and like um, intentionally shimmied their way to the end. Whereas Adam sort of fell to the wind. Yeah. And I think the thing with Adam is he sh- he's always shown he's really good at fixing his mistakes.
0: Like Millennials vs. Gen X is a story of how Adam screws up over and over again, but he honestly, it's been in this season, right? Like, that's his journey in um, Millennials vs. Gen X where he makes a giant mistake and he's like, Oh my God, I made a horrible mistake. How do I make it so I don't get voted out? So, that's, that's that. I do think that the most fun thing about him here is that his story is that he's a big old kid and they get it everything about a kid. Like if you're going to try to like put on a, um, like on a whiteboard on a blackboard, brainstorm all the things that are about being a child that are different than being like a adult. I think you get Adam's characterization almost perfectly where he throws temper tantrums, like his confessional where he's like, and I walked up to Ben and I'm like, Hey, who are we going to vote at? And he's like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <Like, laughs> so good best confessional um it was so funny because you got both adam's side of like yeah it would be frustrating ben's response but also how he treats it so childishly like Mm -hmm. adam throws a hissy fit when that happens he needs a timeout, and he's even perched like a like a like the way he's sitting in that confessional is like so like like a temper tantrum Mm -hmm. that's the body language he's portraying but it's also because kids are immature sure like, that's a part of it, and he gets that 100%. Like, Jeremy's being like, we need a babysitter a couple weeks ago. But also, how scared he was at the top of the pole. Like, right, scared, right? Like, he's... <laughs> but also how he relishes in, he wants to dance in the rain, and he's fine with all that. And he has, like, this childlike wonder behind him. That's so captivating. And, like, I love that they get all all sides of what it is to be a child. It's... Sure, it's being getting angry over things and like if like you didn't eat in the day. So you throw a temper tantrum, but you still love life and you're happy and like he's happy to be there. And I think to me, the moment that honestly is the only thing I'll remember from this episode in like a month is the moment when Adam is sitting there and he's like, I think I'm going to get voted out. And I think you see the most real emotion I've seen in Survivor in 10 years where he's just like his eyes are
2: wet. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to go home. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it there. He's not crying or like breaking down. He's just like on the verge of it and sad.
0: Yeah. And he doesn't want like he doesn't want to cry. Right. Like he because this is all he's like because one they say what you will about Adam. Like I, I've always been like a detractor of his game. I don't think he played that great. I think he's always trying to over defend it. But the guy like his Instagram handle was Survivor Adam before he played five years <laughs> before he played. Like this hmm. is a guy who he's one of us, right? Like a Reddit nerd, a Survivor hmm. super fan, somebody who's literally you can tell his only dream in life ever was to play Survivor, and he's you see that moment when he realizes he might not get to do
2: it anymore, and he's broken, and it's
0: fantastic.
2: Right. I think what makes Adam so captivating is, and it's weird to say this because he's getting so much content and plays in the edit, is his edit is free from like. Manipulation of any sort. It's just the full Adam Klein experience, and I think that looks really good. Like we're seeing all of him, and a really good character has come from that. So I think that's where Adam is benefiting. But it's also just super dour for his winner chances. I mean, yeah, to show all sides of him and not flinch when he does something stupid or immature. I think, and I think some people are seeing all these signs like the full picture of adam and thinking that's a winner's edit like i kind of get it maybe that's a very like postmodern almost way for survivor to go i just don't think this season where it's happening yeah i want to live in the world where this could be a winner's edit
0: like straight mm-hmm. up because right. this would like if i were trying to be like if i were a narrative producer for this that's what you want from a winner right you want a messy complicate because people are messy and complicated watching mm-hmm. a reality show you kind of want realness that's not how survivors ever shown their winners they've never shown a winner to be truly flawed they mm-hmm. give them flaws but they're overcome by something else or they're like adam's a great example in fact like he makes a horrible mistake telling taylor he's not super cool so he's not super good at like blending in with the cool kids the like uh what's it called the uh triforce in Millennium first gen x he tries he's like bro dude man and he just doesn't quite get it but is completely overrun by, for example, that scene with Jay, mm-hmm. where he's they talk about their mom, their respective moms, not their same mom, but, <laughs> um, and they bond over their mutual suffering. That's a super powerful moment that you just don't get. Like, but like it negates the previous negative stuff. You never just get like flawed person completely making the end and winning Mm -hmm. but like that's the thing is you want that to be the case but also if you reflect back like we haven't despite him being fully realized survivor likes to do this in my opinion outdated tactic of quote-unquote personal content of who they are outside the game being what matters right like teaching time with tommy um like jeremy and val like all that kind of stuff where it's it's not who they are in the game it's who they are outside the game a loving father a mm-hmm. son who loves his mom a lot and is really scared for her. Stuff like that. We actually have nothing from that of Adam at all. We have a lot yeah. of who he actually is right now in the present. And I think that's better storytelling. But Survivor uses, in my opinion, an outdated part of storytelling, which is telling us, oh, but he loves his family a lot or whatever.
2: Well, I will say in some some cases they do seem to stray away from that. doesn't feel like there's as much personal content as there once was. That's true. Just in general, but also, I think, in regards to winners. That's true. Yeah, I think it hits critical mass in Ghost Island when, it, like, you didn't know anything about them in
0: the game. It's mm-hmm. just personal content, personal content, personal content. But, yeah, I think it's gotten much better. I agree with that.
2: Um, And, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I hope you're right that Adam goes far. I'm nervous that he won't. It's hard to imagine, but also, like, I get in the same sense that last season was all these unlikable people skating to the end. Like, you can see where people just never think Adam is the target. And yeah. Like Adam is Nora
0: way. kind of thing versus like, cause the thing about Krishna, she did eventually get the votes. Like, yeah, <laughs> they did eventually be like, you know
2: what? Screw it. <laughs> Bye. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like for every Krishna, you do have a Nora. So yeah, and I do think that the difference though, is that
0: Krishna has some game sense. People will still see Adam, I think is capable, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Like he's so good. I hope he's here the whole time. They'll like, I'm scared moment gave me um, Avengers Infinity War vibes with Spider-Man. We already got him saying his Spidey senses were going bleep, bleep, bleep. Wouldn't be surprised if they were consciously using Tom Holland's Spider-Man as inspiration for Adam's character. (laughs) Like straight up, it's ridiculously similar.
2: I'll trust you. I don't know these references. (laughs) Uh, Spider-Man, he can do whatever a spider can. He can climb on walls and stuff. Yeah,
0: Spider-Man. (laughs) Dash Yeah, Spider-Man. Dash Um, but yeah, I think I I wouldn't be surprised if that's intentional where it's, this Hmm. is a kid doing his best. And when he's not up to the task, he wants to be the best player, but he really is not. He wants to be the best Avenger. He's definitely not.
1: Hmm.
2: That's good for Adam. You're the Mm -hmm. best. You're again, you're voting confessional God tier completely summarized the episode and we got that crazy confessional coming next episode from the next time on oh yeah oh my so. he looked okay actually i want to talk on that briefly. <laughs> he looked like
0: he had been on the island for like 900 years <laughs> like his hair's all up like he's like <laughs> he looked like the crazy prophet in like a like a like clash of the titans or something like an ancient greek movie he castaway. yeah like he like he looked like he had like he looked horrifying. <laughs> I don't know. Like, so I guess that's another episode of insane Adam. Like I think they know they have gold with him. Mm-hmm. I think he's the most visible character of the season, right? I think.
2: I would have to think so.
0: I don't Maybe know who Tony else would even meets be... him.
2: Yeah, it's Tony
0: or him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like that's good company, right? Like imagine like at the start and you're like, yeah, our two main characters are Tony. That makes sense, right? Like it's Tony and Adam. I would not have expected that.
2: <laughs> that is true. I
0: guess the only other one who rivals him, though, here is Ben, who's been extremely visible all season. Mm-hmm. And I mean, call me crazy, maybe. Oh, actually, I guess Joe, do you think before we move on to Ben, can Adam be? Because I think his cap is losing finalist.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think that's where
2: we're looking? Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> yeah, like like that's where you think he like
0: yeah if you had to put money on where he places it'd be losing finalists
2: yeah and i think more than ever that i can think of like that is a bet i'd be willing to make Ooh, like adam is losing finalists makes a ton of sense i don't i guess to
0: reverse bet you i think either he will leave very soon mm, i'm trying to think of how to color this in a good way either very very soon as in next week or he's the fire making
1: mm. and
0: that explains all his like inability to inability to do basic task moments
1: mm-hmm. mm. like, That's put funny. In
0: torch in turn in the thing i think that would make sense he's like he he fails at fire making the hmm. uh like angela or whatever so uh-huh. that brings us i guess here to ben color me crazy joe i think i don't know i think ben is going i think we will look back on this season as the one where ben proved dominated i think ben's gonna control this game mm, that's a hot take <laughs> yeah do some convincing please so i mean he's the one who like if you're gonna pinpoint somebody who was on the pulse of this entire episode
2: it was Ben. Mm-hmm, that's fair
0: him and tyson come up with the idea of the threat alliance ben drebergen is listed as one of our like ridiculous threats. Keep that in mind and then compare that to his reaction after winning Triple
2: H. Massive golf, right? Like, well, to n- nerds online anyway, <laughs> to us. I think you can say just because he's not regarded as a good winner doesn't mean he's not a threat. Because <laughs> I think the th- threatening nature of the way he found idols and just sort of bulldozed his way to the end of the game is threatening doesn't have to be good play to be threatening. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. I guess, yeah, I I would come off the discussion that Ben as a threat isn't as wild as people might think. I agree with that, because I've always been
0: of the opinion that Ben actually played quite well (laughs) until, like, the Trek, right? Like, until it was idle, idle, idle. Right. But, like, I think he played quite well up until that point, and then just couldn't, like, to me, it's like Ben's a great player who didn't win Survivor. It's always been my take. It's not Mm -hmm. his fault that the season, like, really massively benefited him. Mm -hmm. I think he played really well. He showed a lot of good good chops, tenacity or ferocity or whatever that transcends the game. That's still true of Ben. Like, Ben's still a player, even in a cast of all winners, even with, like, the champions of champions and all that. He's still somebody who is extremely charismatic, likable, and in your face. He's still going to win a jury vote. Like, I think Ben is one of these people who could probably beat most people in a jury vote. Hmm. Except for his final travel was terrible, if you remember. (laughs) Um, Like, notably horrible, as the jury begs him to give an answer that they're okay with voting for. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, no, I guess my case for Ben would be, I think he was... Had the pulse of this completely. He still manages, he's the one who has to break the bad news to Jeremy. Mm-hmm. That's means it's a good spot because you know, like he had a conversation with everybody else, and they're like, Oh, what about Jeremy? Like, we want to rope him in, we don't want to blindside him. And Ben's like, I'll do it. I have a good bond with Jeremy. He's like the damage control guy. Um, I really think he has his hands in all the cookie jars right now, and he's kind of calling the shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah i think his edit like this was a great episode again i think the problem with ben is that he was on the wrong tribe if he was on to call at the start i think i might have him number one Hmm. but again he was on the wrong tribe and there's some gulfs that i can't get over but his edit is so good i think he like he's my pick for but the problem with him like i said he cannot be a losing finalist i think he's our like janet or whatever like i think he gets screwed but he's like the guy who would have won
2: i feel i feel like he goes more in like a 7th place. Like I feel like he's he's more like Ron Clarky. <laughs> like <laughs> the puppet master. Like, like good player but not quite like finale hmm. material.
1: Hmm.
0: I don't and know. How- I, I could see like Christian hubiki Like that's the vibe I get honestly. Like
2: yeah,
0: we're meant also, to leave this season and be like holy crap what a force Ben was.
2: Mm, I mean even though he was very present and all those things you said about how he played this episode were right. I feel like I don't come away being like Ben is amazing just like rhetorically like obviously I can look at that and say yeah he played really well but like as he looked in comparison to all the people on this chaotic episode he doesn't come off as like the star he's not he's no Denise why I'm not saying he's gonna win right like that's the thing to me is like there's
0: probably a slightly modified version of this story where Ben looks amazing. And instead mm-hmm. he just looked pretty
2: good. That's why he's not winning.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think he uh, he his felt. Davey. Yeah. Yeah. It's like somewhere 7th to 5th. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Because he can't mm. be a fire making loser. I don't yeah, think. He, he literally can't lose fire. He's won it once before. He literally shoots fire out of his hands. <laughs>
0: like. That's the thing is like. That's the weird thing for me. Is he would be. If he had the capacity to be fire making loser. Like if there was not the fire making challenge. I would bet a million dollars he's coming fourth place. Right. But. Yeah. the Like. There is a fire-making challenge. He's not going to be that person. He's not going to be a losing finalist. So, yeah, I think, like, fifth to seventh... I would maybe even say... Mm, is probably six. He could be a Victoria, I think. Like, the mm-hmm. person screwed over by the Edge of Extinction
2: returning. I guess that I would make say, sense to me. I do think he can be... Not, like, the zero vote-getter. But, like, I think he can lose to another, like, player in the season. Like, sort mm-hmm. of like a Gavin to a Chris. Mm-hmm. Like, you see you see the reasons but ultimately the votes don't pan out or a Chrissy to a Ben yeah that's the best example that might not be
0: you know what yeah I guess he could be a losing finalist I don't see that right now but yeah I loved his confessional bit. like this is the champion champion I'm getting the shivers and then like it cuts to a shot of him (laughs) being like ooh like actually getting shivers (laughs) that was good editing Mm. I guess that's Ben that's Ben move on to Denise the cutthroat queen emerged
2: so smooth
0: yeah like denise's confessional like i could not have imagined like watching it i remember i'm sitting there and they're pitching adam to her i'm like oh she's gonna be like how do i flip this how do i save adam how do i i'm loyal to adam so i need to figure out a way to deal deal with this i would not have expected the confessional we got (laughs) like just because we made a day one alliance doesn't mean it's a day
2: 39 alliance adam like yeah especially when she doesn't vote adam out. yeah what's really thinking about it not great for winner chances. <laughs> Very bad, in fact. <laughs> I mean, not the worst performance this episode. We'll get to that soon. But uh, yeah, uh, just another like mark in the journey of Denise as a captivating character who I really think just had a stand on the editing team and gets good content. Of course, she has her moment, um, but not winning. Honestly, this is I know we
0: said that Jeremy is Kelly Wentworth. Denise is Kelly Wentworth. Like in terms of the spirit of her edit
2: as much as a winner can be exactly
0: i I think she is as much of a winner as you can be when you don't win the game you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like this is her victory lap this is them being like guys denise is awesome she's Mm -hmm. a badass we get that content she even has like she has a good premiere where she talks about philippines what it means like what how she went to every tribal the season's never been unkind to denise at all it's been very favorable. Mm-hmm. She didn't even really get lumped in as like a bad player ever. It was just like, all of a sudden she was like, yeah, big threats can come anywhere. I'm a big threat now. Like it really wasn't, um, she wasn't portrayed like a uh, Michelle or something. Even it's like undeserving in her previous win.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was like, yeah, I'm like a middle like, to me. She would be middle of the road. If you're just looking at like how it shows them, it's like, she's a middle tier winner who right. emerges as a top tier one. This is, I think, and this is a case that a lot of people have made, is that season 40 is Sandra's retired, right? I doubt Rob ever comes back. I doubt Parvati ever comes back. They kind of have to make new stars. Mm-hmm. Denise is one of their new legends. right? And yeah, again, like, epic confessional, terrible
2: for her chance. Mm-hmm. I kind of, if we're thinking about a Edge of Extinction Returning that's still in the game... Like Mm. Denise, maybe
0: I could see it. I mean, she's super physical Mm -hmm. and I don't think she's long for the game either. Like I think she will get out next week is probably my prediction.
2: Yeah. I think that's a good prediction. Maybe she
0: finds an idol. Like, I don't know. Like there are weird paths for her, but I just don't think she's here for very long.
2: Yeah. It's like, really, it's all about how much the game moves beyond her as a threat before people start to focus their intentions elsewhere. And I don't think it's moving fast enough. I think yeah she's almost like a is a good example like Michael Jurger, like first time they're not immune they're out type. Desi mm-hmm. something like that where it's just like I,
0: I mean I think the double whammy of taking out Sandra and like in the way that she did obviously we had like questions of like how much of this was really her versus Sandra messing up. But the episodes have told us this was an epic move from Denise. Right. Whether it was or not. I mean, you can argue about that separately. But I think the double whammy of that and then immediately winning the first individual immunity challenge in like a dominating fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, hard for Denise to, um, I think, downplay her threat level.
2: Yeah, I guess if she's not going home, if she's not immune, her name is always on the pool. Yes. Like she's like at least a first name, if not the name that sticks.
0: Yeah. And I do think that the, um, how do you put it? Like the foundation of this story has kind of given her some leeway to kind of sort of Bennett almost where maybe she finds more idols. That was part of her stories. Like Ben taught her to find idols. Obviously she, f- she found two in some capacity. Mm-hmm. There could be more to that story or it could have just been an explanation for that. Like, she has some longevity in just the fact that they've given her abilities kind of thing. Like, she's, like, if she was, like, an RPG character, she has, like, big moment
2: ability. Yeah, she's a Malcolm. She's Joey amazing.
0: Yes. Yeah, you're right. She's Malcolm. Like, straight up Malcolm. Like, in in the way that you think of, like, Three Amigos Malcolm, like, playing the idols
2: and the big moments Mm. and immunity wins, that kind of stuff. If we get that type of, like, content from her, like, we did this episode, that would be amazing. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's such a, like, archetype bust Of, like, the oldest person on the cast, like, as this jungle boy. (laughs) It'd be amazing. And Mm. honestly, I do want to say, like, in hindsight, her
0: story has been very good. Episode one, we were like, and many people were like, Denise, your Malcolm is Adam? (laughs) Are you serious? Maybe the Malcolm was inside her all along. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And I think that, honestly, as corny as that is, I think that's actually what they're saying it's like you think of malcolm and denise and you think of denise as like the sidekick and malcolm is the badass like jungle mm-hmm. boy it was both of them right i think that's kind of what it's saying here
2: yeah and really like, good character
0: yeah fantastic story here i think mm-hmm. like grant the problem is like as we've seen with both of malcolm's returning seasons malcolm don't do so great on returning seasons <laughs> or i mean he didn't
2: really win his first season either he also so. did i mean yeah but <laughs> you getting pretty close that's true but yeah it's like I think the problem of being someone who watches the edit and is enjoying Denise is that you can see where those two things don't agree. And so you yeah. can see the the writing on the wall and
0: it's like, sad. I want to live in the world where I can believe that like, this is like Denise is the queen slayer and now she's going to come for the throne, mm-hmm. but like, she's definitely going to be a victim of like the red wedding kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings us to Jeremy. And I think one of our most fascinating discussions last week was how i had given up on jeremy you had finally considered him you finally uh flipped my argument like you know what yeah like because you had jeremy like last i had him like sixth Mm -hmm. and then we basically flipped Mm -hmm. i really want to hear your thoughts on jeremy in this episode
2: i mean i just picked the perfect time to jump on the jeremy train yeah whoa this was an abysmal episode for him like you're looking for your Ron Clark. This is your Ron Clark puppet master. Episode. That's that's a fair a fair position. But yeah, just um, go such a jump from this constant force to like the like the puppet master, and then his puppets didn't even do the things he wanted to, or he claimed to have wanted to. So he didn't even do the thing he wanted to do. <laughs> uh, yeah. He is. A solid 17th. (laughs) Yeah, he is so drawing dead. He,
0: as fun as it is, I mean, I think you could probably make a graph of, like, people in Survivor who have referred to themselves as the puppet master or running the ship or whatever. And, like, how well they do immediately after that. Mm -hmm. It's probably very Mm -hmm. short-lived. Like, yeah, like, Jeremy really pulled a Ron Clark here and... Every way. Like, this whole episode was about how Jeremy doesn't have the control he thinks he does. I thought, like, I mean, it maybe me double hot take. I think he played fairly well. I think it was smart of him to want to keep Wendell.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I do think that he did run into the issue of, honestly, Cyrillicina syndrome and Kageon, right? Like, he's just like, I'm the president now. I decide because I'm in the middle, kind of. Therefore, I have all the control and I can dictate everything. I think Wendell probably left directly because of that. And that's how the episode showed was Jeremy misplayed his hand. I thought there was moments in this episode, like when he was talking to, I think it was Ben. He's like, he literally said, no, it's, like, they're like, it's Nick or Wendell. And he's like, ooh, I think we should keep Wendell. I, I mean, we can use him. Yeah.
2: Yep, he did say that. Like, really slipped of the tongue there. Yeah, just wild. What a deconstruction this was of him.
0: Yeah, like, there's probably a good chance he he was leaving if he was not immune. Mm.
2: I was, yeah, I guess I was kind of considering why he didn't sort of Sarah Lucina himself. And it was because he couldn't. He literally could not get into that position. Um, yeah, I think, well, it'll be interesting to see where he goes from this because he doesn't have that same sort of desire to make moves in the same way. So maybe he will sit back or maybe he will turn into a Sarah Lucina who goes early. We'll see. Yeah, I guess that
0: brings us to Kim. What
2: did you make of your winner pick? of the My season? winner pick? Kim Sradlin. Oh, I wish it could happen. Um, she's such a like Chelsea Meisner, like just there as someone like who's like I don't even know what to say about her. She was not invisible. Of us didn't do anything. Um, I don't even know. Kim could go anywhere. Weird thing with Kim is that there's no
0: clear story. Still, Mm -hmm. her story is like I still don't really. The weird thing to me is that she hasn't really done anything wrong, right? Right. I mean,
2: a lot of people online are being like, "Oh, Kim Stradlin." She is just sneaking by. No one knows the threat that she was in One World. And is that true, though? I mean, it's true, but it it doesn't. It feels like people just don't care about her.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seems like her story is still the same as the premiere, where just no one really <laughs> likes her. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. has anybody said that they really like Kim yet? Like, to me, this I is d- the opposite of One World, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's this is the story of like how everyone says kim's story like in simple ways if you're like you're gonna explain who kim spradlin was it's like she got everybody to be that her like they saw her as their number one right And they loved her more than anybody and they were just okay with her winning could you write a more opposite to this story of kim where no one has
2: her as a number one ally no one's really talking to her yeah i think it's interesting how like the opposite isn't kim isn't kim is everyone's number 11 it's more like kim is everyone's number like seven (laughs) yeah and so she's just kind of there but I don't know
1: it's like
0: what Kim Spradlin looks like in one world if everybody actually had somebody else as their number one it's like she's everybody's number three ally let's say Mm -hmm. like sure that makes her not get voted out but I don't know you could leave this game and be like did Kim do anything maybe that's the story they're just like she's the Aubrey right like like look she really
2: isn't that great (laughs) like Mm -hmm. and I think it's almost the circumstance of one world Wars, she was in this impeccable position where every vote was an option between these two groups that liked her, but here she's clearly not the ringleader and she can't be. Like I think she knew that being the ringleader was the wrong choice, but yeah. then she never fell into anything else that makes sense as a game. Yeah, and like makes sense of her
0: story. Like she still is <laughs> an idol. Like on paper, Kim's playing quite well, right? Like right kim spradlin the threat the best winner of all time all that is in the merge with an idol not gotten votes except for i guess she does vote right but like but she's not being talked about yeah she's not really ever been in a threat to go home mm-hmm. so on paper she looks like she's playing pretty well but like i for for one have had a hard time figuring out how to evaluate this because like is she playing bad should i like I think this certainly lowers her from, like, undisputed best player of all time, Kim, but I don't know how much is the thing I can't figure out. Like, I don't like that they're keeping... Maybe it's just really hard to, to explain that just no one really wants to play with her, but, like, I do think they have kind of a duty to do that mm-hmm. because of what Kim Spradlin does mean to Survivor. I don't think they've ever edited someone to just have no faults whatsoever whatsoever and be like a a savant at the game like they did in one world. But so what's different here? Like what are like, that's the thing I don't get completely unless it really was the story of
2: she was with a bunch of bad players. I, I wouldn't say bad players. I mean, not that I'm arguing that is false. I would say it is just more that the way things panned out and as it being an all like first time player season, like Kim was able to get into a position where she was the leader and made it work for her yeah I think here where it's all people who've played before it just doesn't work the same I guess if Kim sort of keeps the status quo it's almost like I know she has the potential to be really good but almost certainly whoever wins this season probably has a better claim at being a better player than her
1: yeah and
0: i guess the weird thing to me honestly is like why the negativity like she's gone negative and in a way that i guess you just wouldn't expect because again on paper she really hasn't done anything wrong she hasn't made mistakes
2: i guess where where has she gone negative other than the, so- the sophie moment you mean yeah i guess nowhere
0: but like that's a pretty big deal her introduction to us was super negative mm-hmm. like it was literally if you consider it one episode oh. um or if you actually, if you consider it the premiere, two episodes, literally invisible. She does not talk. She's barely on screen into ridiculous negativity about how no one likes her and no one wants to play with her and like making all these mistakes. And actually, no, af- an episode after that is when she finds the idol. Yeah. Part by Sophie. So it's right. Two weeks in a row where you get like
2: Kim getting ripped to shreds
1: hmm.
2: and then they just think, edit her mundanely after that. I think the. Best reading is the editor's was intention wasn't to portray Kim as negatively as they ended up doing. Mm. I think there's a read on the Kim-Sophie idol where you can say it's more serving as an introduction to Sophie than oh. sort of killing Kim. And then in the second part of the premiere, I think she's just there as someone who could go home. So, so I guess what you're saying is that The idea would be they're using, and I
0: guess this is, um, relevant to, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. (laughs) And once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, a movie that came out last year, they use one character, uh, Bruce Lee, as Quentin Tarantino says, he used him as the best example of a badass he could think of. And he has his protagonists make Bruce Lee look like a total idiot loser by beating him up. And Quentin Tarantino said, well, I did that because I have so much respect for Bruce Lee that I thought it would make my uh, audience surrogate look super tough if he were to be able to beat him up. Audiences instead were like, oh, so he's we're supposed to take that Bruce Lee's lame? Maybe that's the same thing here, where they're like, ooh, how do we make Sophie look like a badass at the start? What if we have her make Kim Spradlin look bad? Mm-hmm. What if we make uh, Sophie go over Kim, th- someone everybody respects? But they failed to actually build up Kim in the episode, or the season, or even recover afterwards enough that- right. You're left with this weird, bad taste in your mouth of like, wait,
2: like, does Kim suck? When really they meant, look how cool Sophie is. Yeah, I think that might be the thing is the sort of legacy of Kim- is something that's known, but the editors don't have, didn't put a good enough grip on it that it's doing its job in this season. So Kim just doesn't look that great because her legacy isn't fully developed, I guess. Yeah. Like, every online person thinks of Kim as a legend. I would say more casual fans might not have remembered her. So Straight up, yeah. she, she comes off sort of like bad and just very secondary to the plot yeah maybe this is like almost what we
0: wouldn't have expected like a kelly worth, right where mm-hmm. the first episode was like remember her and they just assumed we did but right i think it's you're right i don't think it's a um wild take to say that i think if you look at like if i talk to people in my who i know like i have a co-worker who watches one like watches every other season of survivor ish and has vague memory of people like he's a smart person in everything, but he can't remember people that well because like survivors is not that important to him. It's like a show he watches with his family sometimes. Mm-hmm. He didn't know who Kim was. Right. He didn't know who Boston Rob was, who poverty was. And maybe they made the mistake of thinking that Kim actually was in that tier
2: to the collective. Right. Because they make the show for him. They don't make it for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing. I think they assumed people thought Kim's was this amazing thing when really it's like a kind of understated character, not interesting to most people in a pretty malign season. Like no mm. one loves the one world except me.
1: Except you. Um,
2: <laughs> and then I think they gave like the slightest, like, skish of like i'm kim stradlin and i played really well but it wasn't enough to sort of make yeah, sense a problem of it all comparison
0: too, where if you don't remember somebody you probably just assume they played well in their original season mm-hmm. because they won like the one information point you have on everybody is they won so saying i played really dominantly is probably just coded to the audience as like okay you won <laughs> right and so now what and because everybody else is remembered that's a problem
2: yeah i guess i see that hmm yeah, I think a the sort of killing of the legacy of Kim is unintentional on the editors' part. It's sad, but I don't think they're meaning to pull down Kim as much as they are. I think that's probably not a bad read and like maybe I guess to go on the other side, the
0: argument could be actually maybe she is kind of what we said with Wendell and Laurel where it's like, maybe Kim just doesn't do anything this season. And she's like a total wallflower that like gets voted out and does nothing about it. And that would make sense. And they're like, and we're, yeah, we're not expecting like huge character moments from her either. <laughs> exactly right. Like Kim is really not a very good confessionalist. Like she's smart. She's insightful. She's not interesting. Can you imagine if she had like adam though? That'd be amazing. It would have been amazing. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like it almost makes me think like as sad as it is. Maybe Kim is Troy's
2: Anne, like second eh. Troy's
1: Anne. Hmm.
2: Like maybe she just floats to the end and she gets laureled. See, I don't think she would be that bad though. I don't know. I that's just don't what...
1: think,
2: I don't think she makes it to the final tribal count. I don't either. And that's why I think
0: your take is actually right. That they accidentally buried Kim Spradlin. Because
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, maybe they assume her legacy is a little bit more um, solid than it is. Because there always has been the question, right? Like, is Kim brilliant or did everyone else suck? Has always been a question. And most people, I think, fell eventually on the side of, oh, Kim was brilliant. Mm -hmm. But I think it was rocky enough that, like, the pillars were made of salt. So, like, one, Zan, her number one um, antagonist in one world, getting shown to be not a great player in Game Changers. And then this is a double whammy to her reputation that it just can't hold.
1: Right.
2: That's probably,
0: yeah. So that's, yeah, it's it's a tragic tale. She just doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Unfortunately,
2: I love seeing her in the background for the rest of this, her time here. Yeah. Which brings us to Michelle. Wow. What a bizarre episode. I'm stunned at
0: how this was shown. Like (laughs) the only reason, like I didn't really think Adam was going to go home. I wasn't sure though. And the main reason is I was like, there's no, like it would be a crime against storytelling to boot Wendell and not
2: give anything to Michelle. But there we had it. (laughs) And it's like, what I think the big question coming from this is what is the reason it's like why if you look at this episode it's very clearly everyone ganging, ganging up against old Selle why not show Michelle in any part of this yeah and especially when
0: like this episode was fairly evenly edited except mm-hmm. for Michelle right
2: like I, I believe every single other person got a confessional mm-hmm. and I mean like Kim was probably second but like she's not relevant <laughs> Yeah, and Kim got like a,
0: I would say like an order of magnitude more content than Michelle. Mm-hmm. Like she was actually shown talking to people at times.
2: We didn't even really see Michelle talking with anybody.
1: Like she yeah, didn't... she has like
2: one line where she's like, we'll just get rid of Adam. The girls will agree with. Yeah. Which like, what? Like also wrong. wrong. She speaks like... once and it's mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wild. Um
0: and to make matters worse, the person that like you'd think she's pitted against, like, mm-hmm. just left in nothing that, she voted with care.
2: him like, she voted with him yeah probably no definitely definitely that's been confirmed i i assume they show the votes at the end but if they didn't they it's didn't. definitely it's definitely on the wikipedia page so yeah i would say it's like 99 yeah.
0: percent anyway right. but yeah like wild i thought like um, I was in, I was in disbelief.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was like, i maybe, maybe I like when I was watching it, like I like, like was eating or something when, uh, Michelle's content came up, but no, like she's literally not in this episode except for they say that she's a bad player and they say, and then she says that she wants to vote at Adam. Mm-hmm. That's and literally she, it.
2: And she like falls off the pole. Yeah. And that
0: wasn't even shown that positively.
2: Mm-mm.
0: Like normally that stuff's like has like powerful music behind it or something. And it looks like she was down for a long time.
2: Yeah, I mean, she looks like hurt. Yeah, like there's a weird part of me that's like, is Michelle getting head of back? But <laughs> yeah, I thought that would make sense too, actually. But yeah. Um. Yeah, this was the person I thought was the merge boot, and then they weren't. They weren't even discussed as like a potential target, mm-hmm. really, other than being in this bottom group. But like, it was between Nick and Wendell, not yeah. Michelle. So, and like, I don't know. Like, they did such a
0: good job with Michelle's story. Mm -hmm. And like last week, we said, maybe this is just the end of her story. I think we were right. Like straight up, I think we were. Because there was nothing for her to do here. Right. The one plot thread she had was that they overhyped this rivalry between Michelle and Wendell. That amounted to nothing. Mm -hmm. And now we know it was manipulation because he gave her his fire token. Yep. So that means last week just lied to us. And this week didn't even bother explaining why. And just maintain the lie, but changed Wendell completely back to being good guy. I'm at the point now where I'm like, like, I feel bad for Wendell. Why did they edit him that way if he's not even going to be an antagonist on his way out? Or like this be the story of how Michelle got revenge and Mm -hmm. taking out the bad guy. And instead he just looks like a dick for no reason to
2: a person that he was aligned with. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Terrible storytelling. Yep. I just need to see what happens with Michelle next episode. Because there is part of me that's like, what if this is a really bizarre, like, hiding Michelle edit? And they're doing something weird. Just almost, not even to put her back on my winner list, because, like, she's not a contender for me anymore. But, like, just to figure out what they're doing with her. Yeah, it's something, right?
0: Like, this feels semi-intentional. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, to me... She's pretty dang close to the bottom of my winner contenders. If this is her winner story, tragic.
2: Yeah, this is a big, huh? Like,
0: what? (laughs) Yeah, like, and it would almost, it would be pretty close to unprecedented for this quiet of a merge for a winner too. Right. Like, there have been a couple, but usually for, like, fairly understandable reasons. Like, Natalie Mm -hmm. Anderson didn't have a huge merge episode, but part of that was that, the story where she was hiding behind Jeremy. Michelle <laughs> isn't hiding behind anybody. I don't know. I believe Natalie actually got some content in that episode too.
2: Yeah, and it's also a bizarre like San Juan del Sur's merge with a quit and all that. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah. Yeah, this was a regular boot of her number one ally, ex-boyfriend, who I mean, maybe not number one ally, but like seemingly, at least he she was his number one anyway. And ex-boyfriend who they were shown as like primary intake, anti- like they were against each other right the story was they hated each other in nothing not even Mm -hmm. like i would have been okay with like michelle saying that she didn't she honestly she also needed to explain why she didn't vote at wendell last vote also she also didn't get that Mm -hmm. right like that was a weird moment that needed explanation she didn't get to explain that either i don't know to me and i've seen a lot of discussion online of like this is the much needed cool down for michelle because she had that big moment last week with the electric guitar going. I, to me, this is a the opposite of a well-needed cool-down. This is, like,
2: she needed an explanation here. Mm-hmm. She didn't get it. Yeah, she just needed, like, stuff. And there's, like, plenty of places, even if you don't want to attach to the strategy or the boot of the episode, like, give her a merge feast uh, confessional. Like, give her something earlier. Like, what is she doing with Jeremy now that they've met back up or Ben or someone? But, like...
1: How's she handling
2: the rain? Yeah. Like, Kim could have been the invisible one here.
1: hmm
0: Throw that to Michelle instead, who you have actually done stuff with. Yeah. Like, no one in the entire world thinks Kim's winning this game. Like, casual fans don't know who she is. Online fans realize that her edit's terrible. Like, no one thinks that. Give Kim, give Michelle something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. The, the question, though, then becomes, why? Yeah. I don't have a good answer for you, Joe.
2: I have no. no I'm stumped. I need next episode. I need like my best guess, I guess. I guess the best read, if you for some reason think Michelle could still be your winner is they're also doing this thing with Wendell where they're um, punishing him for relying on pre-existing relationships. Yeah. And if Michelle's your winner, they can't like be both of those things at the same time. So you ignore Michelle. And it's a quirky editing move and no one saw it coming. But I think then it's just bad storytelling. Like, give me that's a more accurate picture of what went on than this weird ham fisted stuff. And that's the other thing, right? Is like, based on what we now know, surely
0: they gave some sort of confessional about liking each other. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, how weird it is all being aligned with your ex boyfriend. How, because like, they voted together every time he gave her her fire token, she gave one to him. Mm-hmm. Like, they were clearly aligned. Air that stuff instead, or give one confessional showing that they were never shown it all together in any way really other than the forced her giving him one very weird i thought i don't know right you're right it's either they chose to tell a bad story for the sake of it or i don't even like maybe i don't
2: even what what does her next episode look like that's good like what do you need from her joe just uh, um like an explanation like what she thought was happening why it didn't happen where she goes from here see to me I need that like I need her to be
0: like oh my god I was blindsided I was left to vote again similar to the premiere mm-hmm. for one two by the way I was actually super aligned with Wendell all the way back from episode eight onward and I just lied to the cameras about how we were actually aligned and that's why I voted with him because we were sneaky and hopefully he can help me over there on edge or something like I feel like she needs like like an essay explaining <laughs> the last right. two episodes yeah yeah And I I can't see that happening. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And then I'm just stuck so confused because she's one of our main characters or Mm -hmm. was. And now she's gone. I don't know where she fits in at all. Like, I really don't. She's, you said Kim
2: could go anywhere. Michelle's the one for me that could go anywhere. I weirdly think Michelle is still (sighs) endgame. I don't get it. doesn't make any sense. But, like, I really feel like Michelle plays in this end game somehow. See, the foundation's
0: there, right? Like, she does have quality content in places. And, like, I've been saying, like, if maybe she was on the other tribe, I could maybe consider her a winner or something like that. Mm-hmm. Until now, right? Like, I mean, until last week, too. I, I, I don't know. It's just... There's always something missing. To me, I think she could be our Kellen kind of thing where she's our opposition to whoever wins. Like I could see her rebuilding from here Hmm. and being like a good player, but I still think she's at the end of the day the journey at it at best yeah and like that's why i think kellen is probably the best comparison where or honestly aubrey and kind of i remember wrong. i was one of the people like there's no way Aubrey possibly makes the end that was my take was like i did not see losing finalists at all for aubrey i also don't see that at all for michelle i don't think the only thing there is that she was labeled a bad player like a hyena mm-hmm. but even then seems really far for her to make it. I could see fire making loser for Michelle. Hmm. That could work or like a Janet. Like I could
2: see finale boot like six, five. Yeah. We've talked about Michelle as a Janet type sort of, if you don't, if you didn't believe in her winning before these last two episodes, that was sort of the idea is she looks like someone you want to root for and want to win, but doesn't. So yeah, And Janet did go weirdly quiet sometimes, too. Like, that's something. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be very funny if she was the fire-making loser, though. Because... Oh, no. She didn't make fire.
0: No, she's
1: immune. Okay.
0: It was
2: Aubrey and Sydney. Yeah.
0: But, yeah. Like, if she loses fire, like, that would make sense to me. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know. Like, she could also leave next week. Like, I, I would not be stunned at all. She's... You know what? Actually, I think she's our top candidate for a person to leave and come back. Hmm. That would make sense. Then you could follow up on the wendell michelle story at edge oh that's true her come back prove herself and leave Mm. immediately that would make a lot of sense Hmm. i don't know maybe she's so weird to me she's so so weird to me yeah
2: this episode just threw everything off
0: which brings us to nick the (laughs) hyena of hyenas Mm -hmm. he had an amazing (laughs) next time on for what it's worth (laughs)
2: It's mm-hmm. like I'm gonna burn all these people down. Like that was good. Mm-hmm. Probably um, my favorite. Like I like his place in the story. Uh, not winning though. No, his story is good. Like mm-hmm. his story being hmm. like it's kind of a hard one to put to
0: words. But I guess it would be like I guess he is he's very clearly at this point the Andrea. I think like we correctly called that because he was super relevant in this episode. Yeah, and I just love this. Like, I loved this characterization of Nick, where it's like, he's that guy who just like keeps jumping into conversations. Mm-hmm. An amazing cinematography moment when he butts up to Jeremy and Ben and walk, like they're like talking to him and then he walks behind and then Jeremy's like, who's that guy voting for? fantastic that was a really really good shot right and i love this like keeps bouncing in because i remember the first episode when he was like super awkward and nervous and that paying off again here hopefully that was intentional because they really nailed it i think Mm -hmm. it's like he's like scared in his own skin around the other winners like he's insecure
2: yeah but also just like rootable and charming like i loved him at the immunity challenge like who expected him to be one of the last two standing overall and then his grin at jeremy like yeah he's a fun character like, mm-hmm.
0: I really, really like Nick. Um, He could go far. He's one of these people I think could be a losing finalist in a powerful way. You know what I mean? Like, this is like a Chrissy or something where... Right. He plays quite... Or Mike White, honestly. Like, he plays quite well. Um, it's just not quite enough to get the W. Is that maybe his, like, other person at it?
2: Mike White? Mike White was a little bit more... V- like, I feel like Mike White was different. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's close. I think he's a weird one to do because of his weird... B- start where he didn't have any content yeah that's the thing is there is a problem there where his edit has
0: as we've been saying like they failed at the start to right kickstart him Mm -hmm. and i don't know i think he fits into the themes pretty well he's a good confessionalist i think he's fun and i agree like the immunity challenge was i was like oh my god like you go nick like Mm -hmm. uh, as like all these like huge jack dudes drop, and nick who's just been labeled like a wimpy little hyena like i i was almost hoping he would win just for that like Powerful emotional moment. Yeah, that would be amazing. But alas, we did not. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know. Like Nick's spot in the story is interesting. I think it's very, I don't know how to intriguing that Ben's description of him is he's a very good social player, but also he's
2: weird and keeps butting in conversations. Right. That's a weird contrast. Sort of thinking about how the game would actually be played. Like, you can imagine that type of player who is just a little game body on the beach. Like, we sort of think of game bots and confessionals and stuff, but, like, literally someone who is just trying to be in on all the strategy and maneuver.
0: Yeah. And I actually think it's an interesting um, moment here if we're just going to talk about his strategy. Because I think I remember David vs. Goliath as the season where Nick used big brother strategies to his offense, like, to his um, success in Survivor. Like, naming his alliances and like immediately just like doing like kind of positioning himself as like the third, most likely to go home and stuff like mm-hmm. that. like Very clearly making deals with everybody. Like that's very big brother. Mm-hmm. This is the next um, evolution of that. I think where the big brother strategy that like, for example, Andy Heron, uh winner of big brother uh, popularized was be in every room. Like don't like his, like, Everyone I think remembers the moment in big brother 15 where like Andy's fake sleeping in a room and people are having a conversation and he's just in every single person's conversation. So no one ever thinks to vote out Andy cause they think he's just on their side. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what Nick's doing here. Like I assume that's his thought process is if I'm in every conversation that's strategic, uh, I can't get voted out. Right. <laughs> I'll have all the info, but it doesn't work on survivor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Nick's fun that way. Like I would support yeah. a Nick 3.0 as well. Oh, for sure. And I guess that brings us to Sarah.
2: Yeah, now we get to, like, I think all the winner contenders are, like, <laughs> loaded That's at true. the bottom here. Like...
0: Yeah, <laughs> so if this... you were wondering why we've been saying nobody can win, it is because, I think, for me, I am considering four people.
2: They're yeah, I would say, four. like, I have three of these, and, like, the fourth one I get, like... I mean, I don't get, but I get, but we'll get to. But Sarah... Okay,
0: cool. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have three contenders and, like, a backup. And it's Sarah. Yeah. So that's the thing for me. Let's just talk about Sarah. So this episode, her story is she's the one who is like, gets the, like that merge confessional, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're all the threats. We're going to figure out who has the biggest main that spaghetti analogy both good right and future looking right like she was clearly not that relevant in this one though i do think before we get into like what her chances are i was super impressed with what i saw by sarah in this episode when people come up to her and they're like are you okay with doing adam she's like yeah sure um i I don't really like the guy anyway so let's figure out like how to do it and then people come to her and say, Wendell. And she's like, yeah, let's do it. Like she's convincing both ways. Mm-hmm. I think Sarah is an incredible player. Yeah. We've said this all season. Mm-hmm. She continues to build in my estimations. Like she's verging on, because again, to me, her game changers game is, I have some ruminations uh, in between, but like, I think my take has always been her game in game changers was so good at ruined the season where it was incomprehensible because everybody just loved her so much. And she flip flopped constantly and no one cared because they loved her right and it made it impossible to tell the story without making it just like just listen to sarah and eventually they kind of just did that they just let her monologue i think we're seeing that same level of skill again i don't know if she wins again her edit's a little worse than everybody else but you see the skill there and to me like she's really quickly approaching like one of best of all time tier
2: i would say i agree with that i think sarah's a very good player But I would say almost a comparison, if we're taking this episode, unfortunate portent for what the season provides. I think a similar thing might be happening, but it's just not Sarah who's doing it. Like, someone is wrecking the season (gasps) so that they can't tell a comprehensive story, but it's just not Sarah. Cool. I'm excited for who you think that is. Well, I I guess it's not... I don't know if I want to commit to that, because I think the person I'm talking about has more of a coherent story at this point. So, I mean, I would say Sarah had a coherent story. It was just how she's better than everybody else in Game Changers. Okay, well, that's this person's story, too. So,
0: Cool. Okay, cool. Um,
2: um, yeah, this episode wasn't bad, but it, like, wasn't great. She had that really good moment, and then she sort of lightened off. Yeah. It's like just enough. To like... Yeah, this to me is like the fine.
0: You know what I mean? Like she, this is the exact content you need to remain my fourth that I put a block in between the other three.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Like I mean, yeah,
2: she's my third, but it's it's
0: way lower than the other two. Okay, cool, interesting. Yeah, to me, like like the one problem I would say you could have with her story overtly is her like everybody's a threat mentality, right? Like, if the season is really about hyenas versus lions, she her confessional is about how everybody is a lion. Mm -hmm. Missing the nuance that some of the other players have, right? Like, Tony is like, well, there's big players and there's low-key players. And
2: Sarah's just like, we're sitting at the table and we're all threats. I think that's in a way more nuanced. I think you get, like I said earlier, I think you get that take that there's lions and hyenas. I think it's more big brain if you will just for Sarah to say no everyone's a lion just some people have bigger manes than others that's true so but I do get the other way as well yeah it's hard to say like this one is like Sarah to me other than
0: Michelle is the biggest question mark because again she is like a story of second bests right like she like gets the lion confessional and we're met I think she's being billed as a powerful player Mm -hmm. but also we see a lot of her game through other people's eyes or
2: like it's like she's Tony's Number one, she is Sophie's number one, she's Tyson's number one. Yeah, I think the best thing Sarah needs right now is to start dipping back into some of those relationships. Yes, and being like, where do they stand? Like, Sarah and Tony not being shown here is weird, but this episode was so devoid of previous relationships that I would almost forgive it. Yeah, but it should probably be a next episode. I agree initially when i watched this i was like oh i
0: think i might eliminate sarah because her game's all about relationships and they were just not mentioned but honestly this episode basically had nothing extra like it was mm-hmm. so trimmed down so to the point there was no real spot for her to jump out here
2: and i would almost say this episode wanted to for whatever reason tell one story the story mm-hmm. of jeremy driving the car and everything else flew out the window yep like so yeah, I'm yeah. more interested to see what they're doing next episode.
1: Agreed,
0: and that's the thing for her to jump up. Honestly, I think Sophie needs to get voted out. I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a world where it's like Sarah and Sophie dominate the game together. I don't think that's going to happen because mm-hmm. yeah, they I... didn't have a relationship scene really. Like Sarah, I'm guessing on the island is closer to Sophie than anybody else, and we saw that on yara but like i still say that her bonds are closer to tyson and tony Mm -hmm. like the world where sarah wins is the one where sophie gets clocked early right as weird as that is um but yeah that's that's sarah
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i guess my i think she'll go far i don't i don't think there's a world where sophie's hiding behind sarah as weird as it is like i feel like sarah's probably a late game player but like that could be eight
2: yeah i'm trying to process that i don't like i think sarah and sophie go far together a while but i still think if that's the case sophie wins yeah
0: that's the, that's the problem is sophie has a better edit like mm-hmm. and sarah might be playing better but sophie has a better edit um and yeah the i guess my one thing is when she was in the decoy boot in uh the next time on so i think she's I think she's safe for like the next couple rounds, right? And then like I could see her go. Like Sarah would make sense as like a final eight, final seven, mm-hmm. final nine boot. Like that could be her spot. So we'll see.
2: I think she makes it further though. I think Sarah's finale night. So, my problem is I'm, I feel like I'm starting to think that too many people are finale
1: night. <laughs> I feel like,
2: like I have a solid like six for finale well, night. you're saying what Adam's finale night? Didn't you say Ben's finale night? Like. Hmm, let's go okay adam uh i don't know if i want to stick ben in there adam michelle sarah sophie tyson
0: yeah that's not bad see i would yeah i guess yeah i mean six is a lot of people (laughs) but it's five
2: plus a returning so that's true yeah i don't know that's a that's a good take Mm -hmm. anyway on to sophie herself um this episode was great for her (laughs) fantastic like just looking at this episode it's so clear that she did not have near as big the role as the episode gave her yep she she talks about how she's okay with not being in every conversation and yet it's though her like meek little saying i would prefer wendell is sort of the thing that switched everything up yeah or threw everything into like the chaos that it was presented to be so no i 100 percent agree yeah
0: she's not like Oh my God, Wendell needs to go. Like I'm gonna <laughs> hit the ground running. It's like you know, I would prefer Wendell,
2: right? And it also it matches with what she said early on. Like I don't care who I'm aligned with. I care about her. yeah. And the one person she says she wants out goes. So yeah, straight up. Like, and I think that's the other thing. Is I mean.
0: You said this episode was so concerned with telling one story. And it was many things. It was how Jeremy failed. It was how Huber's controls. It was how Denise, like, is able to slide away from getting voted out. It's how Adam's scared. Mm-hmm. But I think, predominantly, it is about how Sophie caught on to Jeremy's plan. right, And clocked him before he could take control of the game. Mm-hmm.
2: And yes. overtly so. Yeah, she the, just I, has that excellent confessional where She essentially says... "If." That might be the most interesting thing is that if this episode was about telling a story that wasn't the necessary truth, it was certainly the truth that best matched Sophie's confessional about reading, that we're supposed to assume she read the game accurately. Yep. Like, maybe she didn't actually read it accurately, but we are supposed to think that way. Yeah, and it sounds like it was mostly, like, a collective decision. Everyone's like,
0: eh, we're not going to give Jeremy what he wants here. <laughs> like. hmm Right, but instead it was shown like Sophie's big move, mm-hmm. massively good. Like I'm sure she probably played well here, but yeah, I don't know. Like I agree. Like there was the the this story that they chose to tell looks really good for Sophie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and like you said earlier, as her being the person who upsets the threat sticking together thing, mm-hmm. like she she sees through the she sees through the um mist. Yeah, yeah, she's able to take back control before it's too late, at least. Yeah, yeah, Sophie is i think my number two. Oh gosh how could how <laughs> i'm gonna need maybe some. number one i don't know it, it's so close like this whole season for me has been so stressful because <laughs> I, I think i've been overall high sophie looking at my chart has been my number one predominantly four of eight episodes or whatever um and to me i view it on a percentage basis so for me I give Sophie a solid 40%, I think. Maybe 30% of the win equity. A huge amount. Um, This was a fantastic episode. Like, mm-hmm. really, I don't think you could plot a better one for her, down to even, like, her getting to cut into Denise, without really a second half to that confessional. Like, she was pretty much just like, I guess that makes Denise a threat. Like, does Sophie want to vote out that? Does Sophie want to keep that? we don't really hear right she said the wrong one um there's a lot of like i felt like there's a lot of like little manipulations in this i think the one that's getting a lot of coverage or should be is sophie being cold was (laughs) held on to for so many seconds like they cut back to it like four or five times how cold she was Mm -hmm. got nick saying oh she's not gonna last long or no sorry, that was wendell saying that um like she's got she's
2: down fast she's cold and instead she lasts till third do you Do you think the episode did an adequate job of portraying that she lasted long? Yeah, I think
0: that was the intention. I don't know if it nailed it. Okay,
2: because yeah, it's like, I mean, she's third of five, like not terribly impressive, but... But she beats a lot of guys. Yeah, like it it feels impressive. I just don't know if they stuck the landing. I agree with that. Do you agree that they were probably trying to... I think so yeah i think so too because
0: mm. it was like oh you are colder than anybody in survivor history <laughs> tell me about that sophie and then she talks and then it cuts to somebody like, to wendell saying she's gonna drop fast then cuts back to her being cold then it's a zoom in on her face that cuts
2: back to a wide shot of her mm-hmm She's holding Sarah's hand. Yeah. And that zooms in. Mm -hmm. Like that's really powerful. And I think in South Pacific, Sophie's big problem was that she was seen as too. I mean, the right word is cold. Cold. (laughs) Like, and weirdly, when she's cold here, it's a big moment of vulnerability. It brings warmth. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're and that was, I mean,
0: like we said, like we had a lot of problems with this episode. So the small things they nailed, like that shot of their hands holding. Right. Was so touching.
2: Oh yeah, I love everything like weather related about this yeah. episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. The weather was on fire this week. In mm-hmm. uh, the rain, I guess was also on fire. um But yeah, like honestly, I'm talking myself into it. I think I'm going to double back and say that
2: Sophie is my number one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say
2: your percentages. Like I would have her high edges at this point. I think and she's what? either like fifty percent, maybe Ooh. higher. Like I think she's either a winner. Or she is going out in that, like, mid-merge time. as a Yeah, I
0: think she's... The only thing I have against her is that ultimately the two boots were between Wendell and Adam. Two people that, like, are non-threats. That's not, I think, great if it's a story of how she grabs them and rises above. Which seems reasonable. But also, I think maybe it's just her partnership with Sarah. Like, them holding hands through the game, find warmth in each other win the game kind of thing that's possible um mm-hmm. and i guess that's the like the only problem i see is that sophie could be our opposition like she could be our war dog mm. right like i don't she's think th- that's out of
2: question oh no i was not i was against that idea <laughs> oh. i think she's too like it's not the right word but i think she's too like weak like when i think war dog i think like aggressive and like very in your face and right like, all the time oh yeah i guess he was right all the time um sophie also like i think she's also right all the time but like she's not like an aggressive like in your face threat the same way but is she
0: this season no she's the devil she makes kim look bad she um like she gets uh boston rob (laughs) voted out adam doesn't see her at all She's the she's the one with power that he's the only one he doesn't consider. Like, I feel like they've given a lot or her a lot of power. That that's the thing is like to me, the thing we're missing, we know nothing about her. That's a real problem. Mm-hmm. She really hasn't talked too much about South Pacific. We don't super know what she does or any personal content. That said, most people actually have very little. So that's
2: Yeah, that's the thing, is like we're I, like I said earlier, we're straying away from personal content like nobody really has strong personal content if they do it's really about like a past season
0: yeah and the people who do are out of the game like it's like tyson 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah um but, yeah no that, i don't know for me sophie that's the only thing she could be our like big boss but I but I don't, I don't even think see so that. Yeah. i would put winner over big boss but like, maybe this is like, for a long time, we've been being like, show a female player is that person, right? Like, like, don't always make it like War Dog, Rick Devins. like, like, if a girl plays like a badass and plays hard and is a huge strategic threat, show her that way, even if she doesn't win, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's a chance of just doing that. Maybe this is just them building Sophie.
2: It, is, it feels overkill, though. I don't think see, I think we're just reading her differently then because I don't see her as that like like a Missy Bird level like player. She still feels she very is. she feels very calculated and like wise in her game, but not like cutthroat and hardcore. Huh. I would say like Missy Bird light. N- maybe. Mm, I don't know. Missy Bird with the negativity. Yeah. I guess I, what I'm saying is I feel like she's of a conventional point. Sorry, so I didn't catch why. what you said. I think she's more of a conventional like winner at it at this point she's not she is, yeah. she's not going beyond that yet i'd love to yeah. see it and i don't know if i'd rule her out still so. yeah honestly mostly i'm playing sophie's
0: advocate of like not um <laughs> like uh i do think there's a way that this isn't a winner is my only thing like right there's just and enough to me, number two is very close and i think it's honestly it's a war. I think this season will be a war
2: between my top two contenders. I don't know who's going to win. Hmm. I'm just afraid of your number two contender. Uh, let's get to him. <laughs> like, uh, Tony, so a lot of the discourse online so far is that this was excellent episode for tony i i'm just not convinced like it still continues to be a story of tony where i don't think this is how he like and i think that just stems from like inconsistencies in the premer he sort of is doing this like lowering his threat level thing but it doesn't really pan out and now he's sort of flipped into like all the threats need to stick together i don't know I guess explain why Tony is such a solid contender to me. Basically, I think for what Tyson said, where
0: the story is how some players tried to get the big threats together and instead all the big threats left the game. And now we're on phase two. I think that's where you could say that the story did get its act to. It's The pre-merge is how that methodology failed. Tony tries over and over again. He's like, Lions, hyenas, let's group up. Sandra, be my buddy. Um... Like, we need, we need, um, who was it that she voted out? She voted out, what was the big one? Um, Tyson. Tyson, yeah, that's that's the big one, right? Like, we need each other, like, let's go. I don't think it's a coincidence that Tony and Tyson are now working together. Uh, if you remember in that episode, uh, Tony's hardcore trying to save Tyson. And he gets outvoted, and he's mad about it. And they, I think they do a good job of selling that is like, he does want, he's like, well, Tyson's somebody that could work with me and be a shield he now has that shield right um uh-huh. i think that's a really good thing so i think his story in the story of the season is how all these big players rob poverty sandra that's four as ben says um you all of them fail to rally the threats and now tyson's back in the game like i said like from the future with a message of danger like the threats have said the threats are in danger we need to take who's the threats now irrelevant to threats in general of the game because the big ones are already gone now it's the second tier threats how do the second tier threats band together and stop it from happening again i think that's what we get here and tony's literally just like yeah that's what i've been trying to do all game like listen to me let's finally do this they lock it in the vote goes between two non-threats super good for tony um he shows himself wanting like wanting wendell to go because he doesn't want jeremy to have that like jeremy and tony have been kind of pitted against each other despite mm-hmm. working together i think that's really good for tony um also he kind of takes a back seat here and actual strategy talks which i thought was good that's to me what shielding from negativity looks like i wouldn't be surprised if he might have wanted wendell to stay or whatever like something like that but right. i also think there's been and my biggest reservation with him is that episode with the spy shack which mm-hmm. was th- terrible like that was very bad um but the ultimate thing to me That solidifies him as my number two contender is that merge confessional where like, I don't think you could find happier music in the entire world to play as he's talking about being like a kid in a candy at the bodega, which I I assume is a convenience
2: store, candy shop or something. It's like a grocery store in like big cities. So like they just have them on the first floor Hmm. and it's like like your grocery store. So you don't like have to travel. That's my understanding. I also don't live in a big city, but I do follow bodega cap on Twitter. So like... I feel like I get it. Yeah, I, I thought bodega meant, like, fake, to be honest. You've seen Don't. Russian Doll, right? Yeah. It's, that's, like, the store. That's a bodega. Okay, that makes sense. That makes okay. sense.
0: Okay. Watch that show.
1: It's very good.
2: It's very uh, good. But
0: yeah, like, to me, that confessional was pure positivity and, like, exactly what he wanted, right? Like, it was, it explained him relation to fire tokens, it explained who he is kind of as a person he's like kind of childlike but smart gave him like rootability and then we hear about his game later on i think the one the confessional where it's really really close up on tony later on do you know which one i mean i'm not quite sure but it's like a super close up like he's like right in front of the camera okay i thought was a really good confessional i forget what he said in it um but it it was basically the one where he's talking about the threats like finally people have realized Mm -hmm. this is what we need to do that one (laughs) yeah um like all that stuff is like you can see the path for him winning and it's working with people who i think are going far and ben tyson tony like if it's ben tyson tony who well sarah jeremy like the final five that would make a whole lot of sense to me sophie hmm and i think it's
2: gonna be a war between tony and sophie i'm trying to okay so ben tyson tony sarah sophie jeremy you said jeremy i'm less sure (laughs) (laughs) jeremy (laughs) jeremy could be the first casualty of war i I think that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to because like I think one of my counterpoints is gonna be if we think about my finalist group, which is like Adam, Sarah, Sophie, Michelle. Like that doesn't really gel with a Tony win.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think
2: we both see this season going very differently. Like I do not see Adam at the end. I I see Adam leaving soon. Yeah, for one, I think that's a big thing is I sort of realized that like people who are considering Tony have a different picture of the season going forward than I do. And it's like, I get why people are considering Tony, but I can't like... I don't know. It just doesn't just doesn't connect for me. I think my big thing with Tony is that he does have this very clear story of the threats needed to stick together. They didn't. Here's our second chance. I just don't feel like he's the best vehicle for it. Or like, this is the best way they could have presented him doing that. Like, he sort of has those strong... Moments with not vote wanting to vote out Tyson, but then after the swap, it sort of falls apart for a bit. And well, then he's it comes still back talking to about out. how
0: he wants to use Kim and Sandra as his meat shields, mm. right? Like he's like, yeah, and I don't want it to be DeKal versus um Celle. but I'm looking at my group, and I got Kim who's a big threat. I got to make sure she's on my side. I got uh Sandra. I need to make sure she understands that big threats matter. I don't know, like like how do you edit the story of Tony winning if his and like everything we've seen him want to do up to this point has backfired but it hasn't backfired in the way that like we've seen other people's plans backfire like um like he wanted to keep tyson he gets outvoted and he's like oh fine is the story right other characters mm-hmm. they just left like being like oh i guess we're gonna like michelle i want to keep let's just vote out adam and gets no like follow-up or doubt there just like mm-hmm. She thinks Adam's going. That's the story. Tony always has like this like mystery behind it of like, we know what he wants and we also know why he settles. Hmm. And it is like, how do you edit the guy that he wanted to keep all the big threats around and then the boot order is more or less order of threat status in a row. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, I don't know. I will say your sort of finalist group does make sense for that Tony win. Yeah. More than I that's
0: the thing is i think you're not seeing ben in the end i am like not in the end end but like to me i'm writing kim and michelle and denise and all them off like i don't think they're maybe denise could go far in this group actually like that a possibility that's where Hmm.
2: she that's where she could shine actually but i don't think she's going far well i guess if that would would have happened so this is a weird like multi-level hypothetical if denise and tony are both making it far and when I feel like you would have had Tony sort of... Well, he did, sort of. Okay, that was a bad example. I was going to say Tony sort of reconsiders Denise as what she is in the game. But that totally happened after Denise voted out Sandra. So Yeah, which well, she wasn't pleased with, right? Yeah. Even though Sandra was like, Tony's going to come after me some at some point. Which he didn't. Yeah, I think my biggest weakness is the Spy Shack episode. Yeah, that was terrible. It just... It makes me think Tony's a big character, but he's... And I don't know if I can really really I don't know, I get it, but like I just I just think people are wrong on this one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, no, like I don't know. To me, the biggest problems are one that he is Tony Vlacos, like he's the guy is so over the top inherently, right? Like he gives regular confessionals and it's like high energy and like frantic. Mm-hmm. Like, th- 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 he's always going to get content and he, that's not always the best way to view things. But like he is always going to get content, mm-hmm. like no matter what, like he could be second boot, like game changers. He was literally what? Second boot, third boot, second yeah, boot. Second. And he had more confessionals than some of the finalists. Like right. he will always get content true i do agree i think the single confessional that lowers him below sophie for me to make this official is when jeremy says that there's like two versions of tony one before child uh, immunity and one after when they're going to tribal mm-hmm. that confessional and like him in the spy shack as it's set happening is a terrible one i don't have a good answer for why that would show up other than that they thought it was an interesting moment to be honest um mm-hmm. like that is the uh gunshot in his edit i think but to me I, I go back to stories and his story makes sense i think the people that i see going far are going far with tony i think i just at the end of the day it's honestly partly tony partly that i really believe in ben's edit i really believe in um tyson's edit mm-hmm. and i guess i can see other people filling in those holes too like sarah he does and like he has a, like it's not crazy to me to think that tony's gonna rope in the like the power group's gonna be like tony tyson ben sophie sarah
2: yeah I think I that's very feasible. Mm-hmm.
0: So basically to call plus Ben. But
2: yeah. <laughs> I think I think looking at a next episode, what would make me be more considerate of Tony would be like Adam going. Like because I think Adam is actually pretty important to Sophie's story. Yeah. Like I think this episode actually set that up a lot as they're closer. Or the show wants to at least tell us they're closer. And Sophie definitely sees Adam as a coat, I think. Um so yeah, Adam going. Just more general keeping of the status quo of like the hyenas is going mm-hmm. so, like Michelle or Nick would be good ones too. Yeah. Uh, Denise could go, but I think Tony would then have like a thoughtful, like, I don't want Denise to go. Cause... Yeah. If Denise goes, Tony needs like, like his story kind of
0: does need to be the weird problem with Tony's story is it is kind of self-defeating. Like it is about how he has managed to kind of hide, but he keeps failing to keep the threats together. Right. Could go two ways. Like that could go. He continues to fail. Mm-hmm. Or it could go, he has a second chance at the merge and reconvenes everybody. I think it's more that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would agree, like, to me, I think Adam's leaving soon. So that's why I think the doors open for Tony domination. I also think Michelle's going soon. Like, that's the group I see kind of leaving next is like Adam, Denise, Michelle, Nick. Tony's the one who gets to call Nick like the crazy scavenger man. Like stuff like that like he gets these important confessions like i left this episode the first watch being like wow could they not make it any more obvious that tony is dominating the season second watch Mm i raised way more
2: on so i mean yeah that's all a lot of people are reading it that way where they're solid on tony and it's just i think it is the spy shack episode and then going from that like i just sort of talked out here it is more me thinking of the paths to the end than what's presented on the page right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause like realistically, like it's not going to be like Tony and Kim in the end together, like, or Tony, and Michelle or something like that. Like that just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. But like Tony, Jeremy would make a lot of sense as a finalist group mm-hmm. or uh, like it could be Tony, Sarah, Jeremy, something like that. I would be surprised to see like Sarah lose that one, but <laughs> we'll see. I think, I think Tony beats Sarah. That would actually make a lot of sense for Sarah's story is being second to Tony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She does have that confessional where she's like, I knew that once we got on a tribe with, um, once Tony actually got a chance to show himself, people would love him. Like her story is like, she really
2: likes Tony. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that makes me think they're not together more than they are together. And Sarah, like I just, that's, mm, I can't imagine Sarah getting second to Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's Tony. Yeah. That's a good talk. I feel, I don't want to say more convinced, but I feel more open to why you could see it happening. Yeah. That brings us to Tyson.
0: Mm -hmm. Who boy, what a weird episode.
2: Yeah. I think last episode you said if Tyson is the first returnee I lower on him a lot. And I think I came out of the episode first watch still having Tyson as my number one contender. And then that really wormed its way into my head and now he's my second. Because I don't know, it's still all really good. Like it's still technically the same sort of trajectory. That made sense to me at one point, but it was weird. Like it wasn't the strongest episode. No, that's the
0: thing is like Tyson is a bizarre person where he gets personal content in a way that nobody else does. We brought that yeah. up earlier, right? Like he literally gets to be like, like he says in this one, like, should I have just quit and gone home and seen my family? Like mm-hmm. he says, like it, it maybe, the cash prize is less important than loving my family threw off major red flags to me Hmm. um at the same time his story of like i don't think they're better than me like like they shouldn't be like i'm good right -hmm. like winner right (sighs) it's a weird one joe i don't know like he went from what my number two to i guess my number three so not a huge drop But I would say the percentage dropped a lot because now I can see the path where Tyson's story is how he's the best old schooler and he settled into his role as a dad or something. Like he's finally okay with not being the goofy surfer bro anymore. Now he's a dad. Mm -hmm. Honestly, also, like I know it's a cliche to say like the family visit boot and that would make a lot of sense.
2: Definitely. I think that's part of it. It's just, yeah, I think he, I don't know what he could do to make his game better like he needs other people to really suffer by which I mean Sophie (laughs) like yeah Sophie needs to falter a lot for me to be like Tyson is probably winning
0: one of the best things for him was his confession where he's like if I was these other people I would vote me out right away because Mm -hmm. what is it uh if they let me get my roots I'm the kind of player that can build a home and then I'm unstoppable could Mm. be his story yeah even at uh tribal like people like Tony says The things that made Tyson a threat before no longer exist. He's a new player. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that's really good. Him talking to Ben's really good. The family stuff really made me nervous.
2: Yeah, because either like this extreme commitment to making him so rootable and the only like really personable one that that's how he makes sense as a winner or yeah, I like a family visit boot, just almost a journey at it. Like, I'm the old schooler that did it. I can prove I can hang too. Like Mm
0: -hmm. really, he's so weird to me because this was a good episode. Like Mm -hmm. even the humor getting to explain that he's sadder than it seems. He's more serious. He doesn't take it as a joke. Stuff like that's important. But and even firmly, like I think Boston Rob being like, look at all the old schoolers. Like him getting that little speech is really good for Tyson. Mm -hmm. Tyson getting that speech is good for Tyson about the humor. The problem is that it could be... A journey yeah and i don't know exactly where to settle there because i think the problem i think we're both having here is that we said earlier like for example sophie has no personal content and i think we're both reading it into it well not many people have personal content so maybe it doesn't matter in this season i think that's one way to look at it but i think it would be foolish to ignore well maybe just one person has personal content because they're the winner. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Tyson's the only one, I believe. I'm trying to think if that's 100% true. Jeremy yeah.
2: talked about it a little. But like... Little. Yeah. I mean, compared to Tyson, it's so small. Tyson, like, brings it up again and again. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Like, of people in the game anyway. He's the... And maybe this is the theme that
0: Rob said in episode one. That new new players just don't talk about themselves you know what i mean like they just don't make those kind of relationships anymore right maybe Mm -hmm. that's like we did see ethan bond with people over his um battles with cancer we did see that poverty bond with people over um motherhood and we did see like like and being a mom and having kids and tyson do that we saw who else uh you all talked about penner and that stuff outside the game all the people who had personal content have left but they're all notably marked as old schoolers Mm -hmm. That could be really what we're seeing here is that old schoolers bond with people over who they are outside the game. New schoolers bond with people over who they are in the game. And I'm scared to say like, like, it's like one of these, like 50% of my brain is saying eliminate Tyson because he's so much a unicorn. Here, like he stands out. He has a different. He's an old school survivor edit. That's Mm -hmm. what it is, right? Like he talks about his family and his kids and what that means for him and as a player. And other people don't have that. Does that mean he's the winner, or does that mean he no chance in their
2: show? Like highlighting that fact, I don't know. It's one of the two, though. Right, and I think there's also this thing where we've seen it before with the first return. Like they have this like glowing edit that just stands out, but it's Mm -hmm. hard to pinpoint why.
1: Yeah, and
2: maybe this was why for toy tyson it's because he returned 100 but that said like easily could win like yeah, he, yeah he's an, an annoying one for me in my head
0: because depending when you ask me i'm like like when i left the boston rob one like that like right when tyson came back he got like a huge little montage about how great he is how he can adapt how he wants to be good for his kids mm-hmm. like, wow they could not make it more obvious that Tyson's winning. And then I left and we got the Tony stuff. And I'm like, wow, Tony's winning. And then Sophie got her moment. And I'm like, wow, Sophie's winning. Like, it was like a ping pong of an episode for that. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like th- to me, the episode was like, here's your three contenders. Tyson gets right. the first 20 minutes. Tony gets the middle uh, 10 minutes. Sophie gets the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like either way they've done something very fun and clever with Tyson's edit. And I really commend them for that.
2: Yeah. I'm very appreciative of, of course, this like three horse race, whether it's that or not, maybe someone else is winning, but like, um, the Adam fans are like, Adam's obviously winning and wins. Yeah. Just like, but also the special way they've, They've also made each of these different. It's not like three of the same like Game Bot winner contenders. Yeah. It's like
0: Yeah, like the fact that Tyson's the only one with personal content is very like unique. Like mm-hmm. I really like that as an editing choice just to highlight massive difference between him and everybody else. It's clever. Right. I-, I assume that is intentional. That that reads like an intentional choice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like these other people have families. <laughs> like <laughs> and maybe it is kind of an um an attempt to make because tyson's younger than denise yeah but he talks like he's an elder statesman yeah he feels so old yeah in a good way (laughs) yeah exactly like you would feel like realistically like watching the episode that there's a chance that tyson is the only one with a family when we know that's not true because a lot of these people are family people yeah the show's trying to show us is like the new players are kid-like and the old players are family people
1: hmm
0: it's clever but that's why he's number three for me yeah number two for me but he is a weird one and that brings us to our boy wendell who's done
2: so dirty really though like
0: i honestly I feel know. like he would have preferred a negative boot episode
2: yeah i mean at least it's consistent mm-hmm. i don't know like, i just mm. i just don't see the point like why did they make him look bad i don't I think, think it, it made better tv it really is to sort of say hey this relationship you relied on way too much Here's your punishment, and yeah, goodbye. Yeah, <sighs> sucks. Feel bad for him. I feel like we were sort of quite critical of him these past few episodes, but sort of expecting that to carry throughout the rest of his edit. And yeah, now that it hasn't, I kind of I'm like. Well, now I feel like they were just rude to him. To be mm. honest, like
0: right, like I I kind of got it if the story was like how Wendell pushes a little bit too many buttons or pushes too, too many buttons and it causes Michelle to revolt and like kind of Nick Mariano him where it's like, I know bro, like and takes him out. Like that would have been awesome.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If that's the content you had mm-hmm. Not her voting with him and him leaving in like a, <laughs> he's Jeremy's friend. Yeah. Like, like, what are you doing? You made like some <laughs> episodes kind of uncomfortable to watch as you made him, as far as I can tell, look way worse than he actually was. Right. Like, mm-hmm. sure. He said some of those things that were, bad, but like I think it's very clear now that they were
2: pretending. Yeah. Maybe they were actually there's actual feelings of all blah, blah blah blah. But like they weren't aligned. And we've talked about how he not only said these to Michelle but he said them in confessional. Yeah. I think that might be part of it is he extended that into confessionals, which are supposed to be truthful and like they really didn't prefer that. So that's mm. why. I-
0: so you're thinking he um Danny boat righted it to try oh, like, I, I I could definitely see that mm-hmm. to be honest and that c- it could this could just be them annoyed with him like i don't think they usually do that too much but this one especially it's like his story wasn't that he was a jerk his story was that he relied too much on pregame relationships right
2: yeah i think as we come to the end of this that might be sort of the problem here is that Michelle and Wendell weren't portraying their relationship truthfully, not only on the beach, but like Wendell at least in Confessional as well. And so it when Wendell then gives a fire token to Michelle, their voting to it throws off how they have to tell the story for this patch of the game. Like from the yeah. swap to at least here, if not further. And
0: the other thing is like maybe it wasn't even Danny boat writing as mm-hmm. in like lying to producers, um, the legend mm-hmm. that she did. Um, mm-hmm. but maybe it's more like truthfully, personally, he did have some reservations about Michelle and like he was annoyed when he, she quote unquote challenged his win, but it was annoyed in like a goofy way and they stretched it to be like, look, you're relying on somebody that you're annoyed with. Like just play the game in front of you, Wendell. Cause if this mm-hmm. was just somebody random, you would have voted her out. Right. The problem is that they flipped it to the other perspective. They showed this through Michelle's eyes. Then you're just left with this incongruent, sp- like, sorry, incomprehensible story where she's following somebody that we were shown berating her, being super rude to her, like condescending and for what? Nothing. And really they weren't, She he wasn't doing that as far as we can tell.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They were aligned mm-hmm. and she probably, she made the right call working with him. So why did he make him look like a jerk? Because they did. They made him look like a jerk. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he was that way because now I'm questioning whether they
2: lied to me. Absolutely. Just I don't know. I guess, I guess they did. We know they've gone this season and like looked at pre-existing relationships. They showed that clip of a poker game. So like, there's a lot of nuance here to say Michelle and Wendell look like they're disagreeing, but actually they get along. And then would that make episodes better?
0: Yeah. Right. Like say like make it look like that Michelle did something brilliant because she kind of did. Right. Like it is kind of like I mean. It's still kind of outside the parameters of the game, I guess, but like getting your ex-boyfriend to pretend to hate each other, or at least maybe if they do hate each other, play it up, but still work together. Mm-hmm. It's kind of brilliant. It is. And it's not something that you really ever get a chance to see in Survivor right. because usually people don't cast like couples that don't like each other or whatever mm-hmm. that have bad blood. Um, And that's the, that's the ultimate weird thing of it, I guess. And maybe it's more... Because most of Michelle's confessionals were like, it ended badly. Maybe she just didn't give them the part of the story they needed.
2: Yeah, I think if you sort of dig into those confessionals, like we attribute a lot of Wendell's wording to like just a character fault and that he wasn't willing to admit what happened but i also think it just wasn't as bad as it was implied to be yeah like wendell was sort of portraying it more like the amicable thing it was maybe i don't know we don't know enough to yeah no and <sighs> either I, way my problem is like whatever wendell and michelle
0: at the end of the day they were clearly working together and the edit did a massive disservice to telling us the truth of how that happened hmm because, and I think failed as a result. Like, I really think this was a botched story. Right. For sure. Sucks. But that's the, all the people in the game. Let's move on here. So my list, as uh, we've said, is to, uh, Sophie, Tony, Tyson. Um, I would give about 50 to Sophie, 40 to Tony, 5 to Tyson, 5 to Sarah.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, So my list is Sophie and Tyson. Uh, let's do, ooh, like, Uh, 60 to Sophie I hate this numbers game like 35 to Tyson and then like three to Sarah and the field has the rest (laughs) like I'm still looking at Tony you think Tony has the same shot as Jeremy like no that's I'm not saying they have the same shot I'm saying the difference is that minuscule gotcha fair that's fair so he has like one whereas like Jeremy has like 0.1 Gotcha. See, this numbers game is stupid. <laughs> it is. <yeah. laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> Once you get the numbers that small, yeah. Um,
0: I just Danny. want it to clear that I'm like between Sophie and Tony very, very closely. Right.
2: Danny's up there in the little percent as well. <laughs> between Danny. It was a good um, episode. We have to praise Danny where she deserves it. 100%. It was a good episode for Danny. She's going to meet Wendell and be like, I sense a great power within you and the power to production yeah once upon a time i use this that would be brilliant uh who's leaving next uh denise i
0: think i think denise
2: pulls a rabbit out of her hat and the boot
0: is um, adam i don't want it to be that's where we differ what okay with the real question is what happens to adam that causes him to age 50 years to next week uh, like he looked so disheveled like i guess he was wearing the buff in this episode so like maybe he just looks like that now but ben ben just says something wrong to him and that's yeah it. <laughs> that's the thing is ben and adam are gonna blow up
2: next week i think mm-hmm. they might keep him another week though <sighs> yeah maybe they're gonna kim. keep him several no it's not <laughs> that was the worst i thought you're gonna say that it's not kim um
0: i know i'm good. definitely in the problem where i'm seeing too many people going too far like someone i'm wrong on somebody i don't know who but i don't know that always happens. <laughs> The boots are hard because there's no such thing as like an eighth place edit.
2: You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you got Wendell though. I did. I think. I think that's what you said. Who knows? I think I did. I I know I said Michelle, and boy was I wrong. I mean, she was booted from. She's booted off the show. The camera reels. (laughs) <laughs> all her all our footage was voted off
0: the island but mm-hmm. um yeah i i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with adam
2: okay i'm sticking with denise
0: denise i think denise wins immunity and then I, they vote out adam instead
2: okay if she wins immunity
0: what challenge is it um okay she wins immunity in a obstacle course into a slide puzzle
2: oh come on i that's gotta be an endurance challenge right and it's either the ring with the ball or Oh no, you're right. It's gonna be <laughs> with the uh ring ball. Like the that you're in the spy shack. In we the solved that spy- we solved
0: clue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um any any fun prop bets for next week? I'm trying to think. Like I think I think Wendell's going to do like build a funny thing. And that's going to be a
2: second. Is that his like closure?
0: Mm, He might do that more than once. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think, I think we're going to see that. I think he's going to like, I don't know what
2: you would build. That would be interesting. Maybe he builds a better ladder than Tony. I don't know. A swing. A swing. I feel like he's sort of a one trick pony. Kind of seems uh, like it. Although we never saw, we never saw the coconut vending machine, right? I think it was a coconut vending machine. I don't think it was as great as Wendell said. Yeah. I think Wendell said coconut vending machine and, like a shotgun on it. <laughs> that's probably what it is. Yeah, and for some reason they couldn't uh, downplay him at all. This episode, so they refused to show. Him that. Yeah, they refused to
0: show like a disheveled looking uh, rundown co- vending machine,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like a vending machine in a back alley. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think the yeah that's 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 mine as well. Um, mm-hmm. That brings us to the end of our show. You can email us at thewinneredit@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Um, we post on our Survivor, our Edgic, all that good stuff. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DannyKillsBees. Um, it's my name. You can follow Joe at Chapman 9000 It's his name.
2: But you should follow Bodega Cats because that's a fun account that just shares pictures cats and how do you spell bodega cats like b-o-d-e-g-a-c-a-t-s i don't know if that's their actual twitter handle but you'll find it from there it is it looks like they got some good merch
0: yeah uh (laughs) buy buy a buy a cat shirt (laughs) peace out yeah
2: see you next time